Morning. Welcome to Thursday. Be well. Good. I'm just inquiring. I'm, I don't really want your medical history, to be honest with you. I haven't really got the time on the programme between now and 6.30 this morning, but it's the best way to start your day. We're rude, we're irreverent, we don't really care. Uh, but the truth of the matter is it's all very tongue-in-cheek. Between now and 6.30, we take your texts and emails, 84850, steve at And if you're setting off on your journey, and you're sitting there, and you're sitting in the car, and you're waiting for the ice to clear off the windscreen, because you've forgotten to buy de-icer... Don't put hot water on it. Just just naturally, the windscreen will clear by itself. But don't set off on your journey if you haven't cleared the windscreen. I see people who do a little circle in the middle of the ice and then peer through it. It's blooming dangerous. As Duncan, as you were hearing earlier on, Duncan was saying about people using mobile phones stepping into the road. You see it all the time. In fact, we, uh, we had somebody just stepped in to the road as we were coming around Piccadilly Circus this morning, me and the driver. And, and you think, I mean, I'd have hooted and shouted obscenities out the window. Because, frankly, idiots who just step off the curb. He, as it turned out, wasn't on the telephone. He was just stupid. And it's, it's like they're almost... Oh, my goodness, a car on the road? I can't believe it. How does that happen? And people do step out. If they're on mobile phones, as far as I'm concerned, they're fair game. Knock them down. Knock them down. Let them sue. Let them do what they want to do. You go, they were on the phone, in the middle of the road, walking across, blind to anything. It's as far as I'm concerned, I've also decided we're going to be suing anybody sitting on a bicycle or mainly a bicycle, actually, with earphones on. You see people driving with earphones. They can't hear the traffic. I deliberately go very close to them in a hoot. Beep! Like that, just to frighten them a little bit. You know, sometimes, if you're lucky, they fall off into the pavement, and that always amuses me. I enjoy that. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you're on the road, I'm not allowed to sit behind the wheel of my car, or anybody else who drives professionally for a living, with a pair of headphones on. The other thing which really, really infuriates me, and it's been infuriating me for so many years now, I've almost got beyond infuriate, infuriation. It's the, the people who go out shopping. They can't afford a, a car, and so they go out on their, on their little bicycle, and then they load up the handlebars with all these bags of shopping, making it completely unsafe. And they're the ones who wobble about on the... They're, you know, the idiots. I shouted at some woman in Twickenham the other day, and I was quite glad I did, and if I see her again, I shall knock her off a blooming cycle. She was wearing all pink, and she jumped traffic lights. And there was about six of us crossing the road. And so I said, what, uh, what did I say to her? I said something along the lines of, you can't see red lights, can you, dear? And she said some, something back, and I said something rude again. If I see her again, I'm going to take a photograph of her and put her up on the internet. Because idiots like that, I'm sorry, you know, if you want to cycle on the, you know, you can wear bright pink, you can be the stupidest person under the sun. You know, but as far as I'm concerned, you jump red traffic lights when we're crossing the road, we're entitled to push you off your bike. OK? People weaving and out. Excuse me, excuse me. No, no, the, the lights are red. You wait there like a normal person. So angry with these people. Obviously, motorists get penalised. About time we penalise blooming cyclists. Cycling on the pavement. I tell you, if you've got a walking stick, just jam it between the spokes. Always works a treat. I remember somebody said to me, you're advocating violence. I said, listen, it's a nightmare out there for us pedestrians. You walk down the road, people, they're ringing their little bells, or they've got their air horns on, they've got the go-faster helmet on, haven't they, as well? Oh, they don't care about you. They're not because they're cyclists. Because they're fit. You know what cyclists are like? They're so up their own rear end. It's very difficult to actually have a conversation. Well, in fact, you can't have conversations with them because they, they are a bit Neanderthal. They do, ooh, ooh, they just grunt. You know, they would have been brilliant in cave times, you know, if we'd had bicycles. In fact, actually, most of them wish they were in caveman times. But it's so much easier to clug them over the head with a, with a rock and then get rid of them. So much easier. Anyway, it's cold, but there's no snow. I think it's going to be rain for Christmas. I'm now predicting rain for Christmas. It's going to be wet. It's going to be miserable. But this is the weekend, ladies and gentlemen, that it's going to be very busy for shopping. And I was talking to Imran downstairs. And he was sitting there. And he said, the worst thing about doing nights... 
Well, the nice thing, I suppose, is that you go onto the internet and you start doing your shopping. And he does everything on the internet. He does the internet banking. I said, I do internet banking. Uh, he says, and, uh, and he does it. And he's looking at this coat. And it's £160, and he can't quite work out whether he should buy the coat. And I said, you know you're going to buy it. You know that it's, you're going to put it down to, it's your treat. It's going to be your treat. And that's, and that's going to be the thing that, that you said, it's going to sweat. You just get, you've, only got, you've only got to click a little button. You've only got to quick click a little button, and then all of a sudden, there is, uh, there is your item bought. You have it sent to work. And it's, it's just brilliant. It's just br- I spend all my time on the internet. I've done all my shopping on the internet. I mean, I do go out and buy a few things occasionally, but not very much. Really, not, not very much at all. I don't feel the need to. Why should I bother traipse? I mean, I have, been, I have traipse around the shops. Don't get me wrong. I have traipse around the shops. And it, you stand in a queue and you're standing there thinking, oh, God. It's like, I tell you the people I hate the most at the moment in the supermarkets. And I mean this in a caring, Christmassy kind of way. It's the people who... You know, they pack their things away and they're very slow. If you're in Waitrose, I mean, God knows, you could, you could grow a beard waiting for them to... If I, I've actually some, I think I might take a chair in next time and a book and sit down there waiting because they're in no blooming rush whatsoever. And so they, they sort of do this. And then the person packs their bags slowly and put it in. And then they start hunting for their purse. And you think, listen, you, why didn't you get your purse out to start with? Oh, it drives... And then they go... Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll pay by debit card. And so the girl says, you in the car park? No. OK, so they put the debit card in, and then they can't remember the bloody pin code number. So you st- and I'm going, can't you remember this? What are you, stupid? Oh, dear, chip and pin. Don't forget, in America, they don't have chip and pin. So I'd remind you now, there is no chip and pin in America. So you have to take identification. So if you use a card over there, they're going to ask for ID, I'm afraid, every time. It was, it was very embarrassing. I just produced all sorts of strange cards. And sort of said, there you go. There you go. Because uh, it's no, no chip and pin. Uh, Duncan talking about, you know, people parking and driving. You can't park on the, It's never legal to park on the pavement, as far as I know. Never legal to park on the pavement. Never legal to park on double yellow lines. In New York, there's a big sign-up which says, do not park here. Not one minute, not one second. Because if you're there and you get a ticket, it's your own problem. And the traffic wardens are out there, dressed like Nanook of the North at the moment. And they go out there and they're looking to give you tickets. And so they should be. If I was a traffic warden, I'd be lethal. I would be... I wouldn't care. I would not care at all, I'm afraid. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you're out there. You're fair... I'm going to sneeze. Here we go. (coughs) Thank you. (coughs) And another one. There you go. Two this morning, which is good news. Uh, The papers... Did you realise Rebecca Brooks, when she left News International, that her payoff was so much? I was... I couldn't believe it. I turned on the telly this morning and I was sort of going through the stories quickly just to find out if anybody's died or somebody should be keeping an eye on. And I think we should be keeping an eye on Nelson Mandela because I think, you know, I don't want to be rude... Or anything like that, but I don't. I don't think the end is far away for him. He's being monitored very carefully, and it's a shame, really, because he's had such a what an interesting life, and he's featured with Alan Titchmarsh. Alan Titchmarsh built a garden for him. How cool was that? But Nelson Mandela. There'll be lots of tributes if uh, if it happens at Christmas, which would be a good time to go. If you're going to go, Christmas time is good. Nobody ever forgets. So I was wandering through. And then it said Rebecca Brooks and her payoff. In the uh, in the News International scandal, for want of a better description, was ten point eight million. Ten, I couldn't believe it. Ten point eight. I thought, God, you could retire. I said to Rupert Bard here. Well, he said, he said you could retire on that. He said you. He said I could retire on ten million. He said, but I couldn't retire on a million at his age. I could retire on probably a million. I would think. I don't know. We worked this out yesterday when somebody said, "What makes you smile?" And I said, "Well, a million pounds in the bank would make me smile a bit." 
I quite like the idea of a million pounds. It won't happen, but it's it's a nice dream. Everybody's got a little bit of a dream over Christmas, except that mine lasts through, through till Easter and then on back back up to Hanukkah again. So I, I quite like that idea of fantasising over winning the money. But 10.8 million, you don't need to work ever again. And then I discovered, somebody said, I can't tell you how I know this information, OK? So you just have to... You just have to take it from me that it's it's true. But I was speaking to... I went out for this uh, this this posh lunch yesterday. Well, it was, it was sort of like late breakfast, quite late breakfast, which turned out not to be breakfast at all. But it, it was all very nice. It was lovely. And uh, we were talking about the earnings of people in the business. And I said, the public, you, the public, and I include myself, don't have any idea what, what, people, what people earn. And uh, we got onto the subject of Tulisa. How much do you think... Talisa is estimated to earn next year. How much do you think, Talisa? Just have a little guess in your mind. How much do you think Talisa is estimated to earn next year? I'll tell you now, about four and a half million pounds next year. That's what she will earn. That's with uh, with all the endorsements and everything else. Four and a half million quid. It's not bad, is it? You can understand why agents put up with, with tantrums from people. And they uh, and, and they say, well, yes, of course, I'll answer the phone to you on a Sunday morning. Of course, I'll I'll be here at three o'clock in the morning, like your mum and dad are when you sort of oh, go get home. Your mum and dad answer the phone again. We'll be there. Don't worry. Oh God! <laughs> and off they go. So four and a half million. And then I heard something even more interesting: that there is a thing which is operating now with the newspapers, and it's quite it's quite clever. What a celebrity does, I say a celebrity, say a minor celebrity, is they go out with a photographer. They have a picture of themselves taken. The photographer sells the picture to the newspaper or an agency and they split the fee. They split the fee. So the celebrity... Now, you know that we've had a situation on this programme where we thought it was slightly odd, where Chantal, living the dream, not the brightest penny in the box, a bit thick, you know, and so weepy and this and that, and just, just a bit naff, I'm afraid. And she was pictured... And we know this because we had one of our listeners in the same Chinese takeaway. Chantel pitches up with a photographer who takes a picture of her sitting in the Chinese takeaway. And then, at the end of the picture, they all get back in the car and drive away. The photographer arrives with her. And when this friend of mine said to me yesterday about the fact that there are certain celebrities who go out and have pictures taken, then they sell the picture and split the money, I thought, oh, that's an income. Because it does seem very odd, doesn't it, that you would go out with a photographer and have a picture of you taken sitting inside a Chinese takeaway. I find it a bit fraudulent, because it, it used to be paparazzi. But now you don't need paparazzi. You just take the photographer with you say, listen, I'm going to be going out doing so-and-so today, and uh, can you come and take a picture of me? Because sometimes you wonder, don't you, how the photographer is there. How the photographer knows that the particular celebrity, not that I've ever included Chantel in the line, I'm a celebrity... As far as I'm concerned, a dreary old bag who's never done a day's work in her life. She was a she was a Paris Hilton lookalike. Well, look at Paris Hilton, look at Chantel, no comparison. One thick as a brush, and the other one an American. And that's all I can tell you. It's quarter past four. Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about harassment in the workplace. And uh, because Boris, uh, the policing chief, has apologised for touching a female co- co-worker, is sexual harassment still rife in the workplace? God, I hope so. I'd hate to think it wasn't. I mean, I'd hate to think I'd been through my entire career and nobody had touched me up. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes it's unwarranted, but to be quite honest with you and brutally frank, I mean, you know, occasionally somebody actually... T- I mean, what is in... What, I don't know what, what, you know, touching a female... You know, if it's sort of groping, well, then that's different. But if, it, if you're putting your arm around somebody and sort of, you know, dragging them into you and giving them a big, wet, sloppy kiss in the ear, well, that's inappropriate as well. 
if it's just sort of, you know, touching... I don't know, see, the trouble is, the moment you say the word touching, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? I don't want it to sound horrible, because I quite like the idea of touching. I would hate to think that we couldn't touch people at all in the workplace. I mean, Andy McCall just isn't safe in the travel department. I mean, I see him up there, and I just want to go up and go... like that to him, you know, because he's that kind of person. I want to do it to everybody. But you know that somebody's going to tell me to go, Steve... Actually, and luckily, in my case, they put it down to the fact that I'm gaga, so it makes no difference at all. They're not going to get, you know, they're never going to go to HR and go, Steve Allen tried to touch me because they're going to produce a box file of about five million people. All say, yeah, they all complained at the same time as well. He's touched everybody. <laughs> it's just the kind of thing. It does, I can understand sometimes. Well, there's one woman who's going to be uh, speaking to Nick this morning and she's going to say she had a boss try to kiss her at the Christmas party. But I thought that's what they did. I thought that's what they did. It's very difficult, isn't it? That's why, with all these sort of cases of, is it inappropriate? Sometimes people try and kiss you, and you go, I don't want to be kissed. And then they sort of make up stories. They go, ooh, so-and-so did this to me. And they think, no, it's only because I snubbed you. It's only because I didn't actually want to kiss you. But it went on all the time in Fleet Street. I would have thought it was, it was absolutely right. We didn't think anything about it. But, as I've said before, it doesn't make it any better, does it? I'm just saying that was of the time. It was of the time. I mean, there was lots of it going on all over the place. At LBC, at everywhere. At everywhere. There were lots of... Especially the Christmas the Christmas party was where you kind of sealed it. It was unbelievable. And, in fact, uh, this, this particular person is a journalist. She's worked in a newsroom where staff were consistently inappropriate. It's, well, I mean, I can understand that. Somebody came into LBC's place once, years and years and years and years and years ago, donkey back in the eons of time, and complained because the sales team swore. The sales team swore... And um, and it, it became, it got a little bit out of hand. The trouble is the sales team, everybody swears in the newsroom. Lots of people, I swear. But don't just say the word bottom. <laughs> don't say anything. Again, dreadful trouble, things like that. Bum. <laughs> Sorry. You know, all this kind of stuff. But it, it just went on. I don't know why people make such a big deal about it. People must have really sad lives. You know, if it's seriously inappropriate and somebody's been trying to grope you and drag you behind the photocopier for a quick snog and how's your father, well then fair enough. But if it's just something, you know, they just sort of... I don't know. I can't think... When I say the word touching, see, touching just makes it... It just sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it, really? And I don't mean it to sound like that. Ask Andy McCall. He's quite grateful sometimes for a little bit of touch. You could see him sitting there, his little eyes, you know, his little eyes sort of light up with a bit of excitement. You know, the very fact that I've wandered in the room and I might actually go up and place my hand on his shoulder, you know. I'm not picking out curtains or anything like that. I'm just explaining the fact that, you know, it's, it's the th- kind of thing you do in showbiz. You know, you put your arms around somebody, you give them a kiss, you say, hi, how are you? I do it all the time. Can't help it. It's not my fault. So they'll be talking about that with Nick Ferrari this morning. Also, the campaign to save Lewisham A&E. The consultation finishes tonight. And uh, and now, who is this? The uh, London director for Sustrans, urging Boris Johnson to build the world's biggest cycle network. Is it a good idea? No, it's blooming well not. No, <laughs> blooming well not. Don't want anything like that at all. Thank you very much indeed. It's, I think there's quite enough sight. This is not Amsterdam. That's the trouble. In Amsterdam and other places, it works beautifully. Because they don't have many cars. This is London. It's too dangerous. Way too dangerous. British Gas tweeted me yesterday. Because I'd said about going home on the train. It was freezing. It was so cold. I had my th- about half past twelve this, uh, this brekkie finished with my friend Jonathan. And, and I go back to Waterloo, get on the train. God, it was cold. <gasps> Dear me, it was cold. Bumped into my friend Lenny. So we had a little chat. He was supposed to see me on another train. I'm constantly moving platforms. So I should be back on the normal platform this morning. And... Um, because he gave me the leaflet about the closure. You know, for Christmas Eve, early closure on Southwest trains and island trains. No service Christmas Day, no service Boxing Day, nothing at all. Don't go to the stations, you'll look stupid. People will go, 
and you will look stupid. OK, so, you know, I've warned you now in advance. So I was talking about how cold it was. And then British Gas sent me a tweet saying, uh, Steve, with remote heating control, you can switch the heating on from your phone via text or app. I thought, what a brilliant thing. And they said, uh, we want to send it to you free. But I trust I don't have that kind of situation on my boiler. I've just got a switch that I flick down. I don't think any amount of app is going to be helping me there. Jeff Stevenson, my friend the comic, texted me. He said, it's lovely and warm in Madeira. Like I really wanted to hear it. No, I didn't. And, um, and then um, Neil says, British gas, is that free for everyone? Because, of course, everybody can read the, uh, the tweets. And, uh, and Andy McCall says, plenty of windscreen scraping to do this morning. Do buses not have heating anymore? Well, I, don't, I got on a bus the other day and it was boiling hot. Boiling hot on the bus. I don't mind sitting there. I mean, I, it doesn't bother me. I can quite happily switch off on a bus. Um, and, uh, and Colin says, nothing worse than feeling cold, Steve. You need some thermals. I can't wear thermals. I must be the only person under the sun that can't wear thermals. I just don't like the look of them, I'm afraid, actually. And uh, Adrian was with us. And uh, another one here. This is Gillian, uh, who says, I think you need a trip to the Caribbean. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, that could be true. That could be true. Um, How was breakfast, says Minnie, making us jealous. And uh, and then somebody says here, oh, you wimp. I was freezing walking to work and you rent that nice warm studio. Oh, it's boiling in here this morning. It is so hot. The sweat is rolling off us. I might, undo it. I might even have to open a window in a minute. It's so hot in here. <laughs> Uh, Dean says, Brecky, it's nearly one o'clock. This was from yesterday. Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, if you're chatting to somebody and you're having a good conversation, you're gossiping, then it, it goes on. In fact, it was, it was half past 12 before I knew what, what had actually gone on at all. Um, and Stephen Howell says, it's very cold in my ambulance. I bet it blooming is. I bet it is. Uh, another one here. Says, uh, be careful, private clubs can cover a multitude of interests. No, this is a posh private This is the Ivy Club. This is the Ivy Club. This is this is very posh, believe you me. And um, none, another one here. This is uh, oh yes, the the podcast was up late yesterday. I'm sorry about that. It has been sorted. We have sorted it, and uh, it is all up there. So the free podcast was up. The second one there was a computer glitch and it didn't go as uh, we thought it was going to. But now it's up there, which is good news. Uh, Lisa says I'm feeling a bit fed up today. Well, twenty past four. In the, I could be feeling fed up at twenty five past four in the morning. The day hasn't even begun. The day hasn't even begun. Uh, 84850. Uh, LBC to Steve Allen, or whoever it may concern. Your last presenter is wrong to you, saying it takes two to tango in relation to accidents involving pedestrians, where almost certainly no blame is attached to the pedestrians, says James in Collindale. Yes, yeah, so again, I'm, I'm not going back onto what Duncan was talking about, the two to tango, but I thought he was talking about dancing. So I was at the wrong end of the spectrum anyway. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here uh, says... Uh, uh, the, you can't buy shoes on the internet, but you can. I bought shoes on the internet. I bought vans on the internet. I hate it. Alan in Q says, I hate it when cyclists are on the road coming up to red traffic lights, they ride up on the pavement. Oh, we get that all the time. That's perfectly normal, isn't it? Perfectly normal. I don't know why anybody would ever worry about that. Yeah, that goes on all the time, I'm afraid. Can't do anything about that. Uh, Pat says, a real first. I'm awake to listen live. So, second morning to little Julie, who's also awake. I must thank you, incidentally, for all the Christmas cards. I opened uh, some upstairs earlier on, so from Noreen and Brian and Jan and Peter and Enfield. And I got a lovely one here from little Julie, which is covered in glitter. Covered in glitter. I've got glitter everywhere. And the trouble is, it's that very fine glitter. So, you, you know, you sort of touch the card, and I've got it all over the desk, and you, and inadvertently, you touch your face. 
And then you go out, and all of a sudden, you start reflecting like a bauble on a Christmas tree. And people are looking at you, think, oh, God, I've got glitter on my face. I've got glitter on my face. So I'm very careful, and I can see it on the desk. And it's very pretty, but it's so... How they get it this fine, I've got no idea. But it's a (laughs) blooming nuisance, I have to tell you. It was the bane of my life last year. Uh, I love the idea that there's a good story for Christmas. Well, first of all, there's the miserable story. The Spice Girls musical is a turkey. It's an absolute turkey. It, uh, It got the worst reviews that I've read in a long while. Uh, the other good news is, or bad news, Victoria distanced herself from the girls who were having a bit of a nice time and dancing around and miming. They mime to tell you what you want, what you really, really want. And, of course, Victoria is so above that now because she never featured on half the records. She was there and she danced along and tried to look interesting. But, I mean, singing was never her forte. She's quite clearly happy. And so she was with David talking to her. I mean, she was talking to her publicist. That's a party. I mean, she's obviously incapable of having a good time. She's obviously incapable of having a party because she hangs around now with Gordon Brown and people... Got Gordon Brown, Gordon uh, Ramsay and people like that. And so she doesn't want to hang around with the Spice Girls. She probably sees them as silly little girls who haven't quite as achieved as much as she's achieved. And so she was distant from them. She didn't dance around. She didn't do anything at all. She walked around with her publicist and uh, didn't pose for any more pictures with them. And you think, in fact, somebody's written him one of the papers saying, what's the matter with her? What is the matter with her? And the answer is, she's moved on. She's not interested. She did the Spice Girls. Very nice indeed. Thank you, Simon Fuller. It was lovely. Couldn't have done it without you. But I'm now a different person. Don't want to hang around with them and be a Spice Girl anymore. And I can quite understand it. I can quite understand it. Uh, Miranda Hart has said she hates some of her fellow comedians' material. Uh, she doesn't, unfortunately, she doesn't tell you who she doesn't like, which is a shame. I read the headline, Eamon danced gangman style, kissed me and said I was beautiful, then walked round the corner and collapsed. And I thought it was Eamon Holmes, and it turns out not to be Eamon Holmes. It was some poor bloke called Eamon Kilbride, and he was doing this gangman dance, and they walked round the corner and had an heart attack. And, uh, and dropped dead on the... Si- oh, I hate things like that. I hate things like that. Stories like that frighten the life out of me. And he was at the Christmas do. I've, I've seen people doing the gangman style, gangman style, <laughs> which... It's just quite funny, isn't it? And I'm delighted to say that these celebrity robbers, the people who targeted Bernie Eccleston, a load of other people, have uh, been caught at jail for 50 years. So uh, Gulam Ghani, 47, of White City, 18 years. You'll be walking funny when you come out of prison, matey. Uh, also Nicholas Lewis, 34, of Romford. Sean Wallace of North Kensington all conspired to rob famous people. They were jailed for 18 years, Lewis for 20 and Wallace for 15. Lovely. It's what we like to see. Top sentences. Let's make sure it is blooming 20 years. Let's make sure it is 18 years. Let's make sure it is 15 years. Ghastly, ugly bunch of people. But as I say, they'll be walking the other side of the street when they come out of prison. When they go into prison, they'll be, they'll be certainly very popular. But well done to the bloke who waged 30 pence online. 30 pence were his stake. And it was on an online... I think it's an online uh, bingo thing. And how much did he win? He won five million eight hundred and eighty three thousand forty four pounds and forty three pence. That was the biggest online bingo win ever. So he's actually gonna swap his Renault Clio. Poor soul, obviously imagine anybody having to suffer the humiliation of driving a Renault Clio. I mean, I'm so embarrassed for him. But he's gonna swap it for a Jag and live the millionaire lifestyle. I'm not surprised with five million quid. Well done to him on that one. That's brilliant. And they're going to buy their daughter a house and everything. Five minutes for 30 pence. You see, there are good stories coming out at Christmas. There are nice stories that come out. And um, 
And there are sort of stories that make you smile. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm really happy for him. I hate him. I can't tell you how much I hate him. 30 pence, he got the money, and I never got anything at all. And the rest of you playing bingo. I've never understood why you want to play bingo online. People, I've got this glitter everywhere. Nick Ferrara would be furious. But actually, the funny thing is, if he touches the desk and then runs it through his hair, it'll give him that extra sort of halo look this morning. Halo. Uh, we'll take a short break for the news. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Still to come, how many abuse victims was Jimmy Savile responsible for, say, the Met? Details coming up in a moment. Time now is 4.30. Now... Uh, amassed 450 names. I mean, it's a staggering amount of people, staggering amount. I think it's the highest, highest number ever received of complaints against one person. Uh, of his victims, 82% are female. At the time of the abuse, 80% were children or young people. It's amazing, isn't it? It is absolutely amazing. Who'd have thought? Mind you, with some of the other names that have come to the, uh, to the fore, I mean, it's, you know, there's other names that I suppose are yet to emerge, and you think, it just, I mean, it's, it just can't be possible, can it? I mean, can this be possible? We must have to apologise to the entire world about this one. Do you think the other newspapers around the world are publishing this story going, you know, it's, they've got a strange culture going on in the United Kingdom, a very, very strange culture. But in fact, um, an ex-BBC producer has said that there is a culture of denial at the BBC. There was one woman who waited three months and amassed a petition of 20,000 names before the BBC officially apologised for portraying her as a dependent on benefits. So all these things change. The picture at Zig Zig ah, it's a turkey, I'm afraid. That's a Spice Girls musical. Uh, I don't know what you do if you've bought tickets and you've read the reviews and you're thinking, oh, God, it's that bad, why are we going? Can you get your money back? I don't know. I don't know what the situation is, but they were all enjoying themselves at the party. The girls were all dancing together, having a high old time, except Miss Misery. Yes, Miss Misery, who was off. She's distanced herself from them. She wasn't there. She's, uh, she's solo. She was never really within the group, was she? She was called Posh for the, the reason that she went to school in a Rolls Royce, albeit a very old second-hand one, but she went to school in a Rolls Royce. So they thought she was Posh, but she wasn't Posh at all. You know, the family are very, very ordinary. Dad, I think, was an electrician. So it's, it's not actually, you know, any big surprise that now she's moved up into the higher echelons and she's got a lot of money and they mix with Hollywood A-listers. Why would she want to? She probably thinks this is a really naff night. She probably really was embarrassed by the whole thing. She was probably looking at them thinking, oh, my God, I'm so glad I don't hang around with them anymore. She's got her big houses. She's got all her children, you know, four, four children, good-looking husband, not the brightest penny in the box, but still good-looking, you know, somebody to talk to. And there's the rest of them acting like it was 30 years ago, which it probably was. But she doesn't want to do that. She wants to move on. She wants to move on. I think it's a shame. And the headline is, I want to be alone. I don't think she likes people. I don't think she's a people person. I think she's happiest at home with the kids or sort of being a businesswoman hiding behind her dark glasses, thinking she looks mysterious. But I think, really, under it all... I think there's, there's something missing. There must be, actually. There must be something that's really missing. And I, I think it's a shame. All you ever see her out in is these dark glasses. I think wherever she has to go anywhere without the dark glasses, she feels naked and vulnerable. Not good, is it? Not good, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uh, We'll take uh, all your texts and emails on the programme this morning. Uh, we'll, try and, uh, we'll try and fit in everything. We'll try and, I say try and fit in everything. Sometimes it's not entirely possible, but uh, but it is. 
Uh, on this programme, it is anyway. We shall, we shall get everything in. Wait a minute, I've lost my things again. Oh, there they are. Uh, right, one from... Oh, little Julie is awake. She says, glad you like the card. Now, how much you like glitter? Yes, if it's big glitter, we do big glitter, but not little glitter. I mean, this, I've got it all over the desk. It's terrible. Nick Ferrari's going to go absolutely apoplectic, and for that we should we should have a smile on our face this morning. Uh, also to Jan H and Sadie in America, who I know listen to you before she starts her night shift. So uh, hi to everybody on that one. Uh, Rod Little today, nothing very interesting. Uh, singer Morris, oh, this is, I mean, honestly, I often worried about Morris. I always thought he was a bit barking mad, I'm afraid. He was, he was slightly strange. And uh, he hinted yesterday that the Duchess of Cambridge was to blame for the suicide of hoax phone call nurse Jacintha Saldana. Uh, in a vile rant, the ex-Smith's frontman also accused the royal family of staggering arrogance over the tragedy. And he questioned if Kate was really suffering from pregnancy. He's a stupid person, isn't he? I mean, you do worry about the sanity of Morrissey, a rather silly old has-been, a rather faded old has-been, who comes up with these stupid rants that nobody's remotely interested in. He's 53. He told a New Zealand TV channel, because that's about the best he can get nowadays. Have you ever been to New Zealand? Don't go. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. It always rains. It's miserable. They're backwards. It's horrible. You don't want to go there. Two friends of mine went on a road trip. On a road trip. And they went to this... They were staying in this hick town. Because you think... It's beautiful scenery, but there's nobody there. There's nobody there. And they called into this little hick town where they were staying. And she said it was the most miserable place you've ever seen. So they went to the local tea shop. And they asked him... What did they ask for? I think it was something like... Blueberry juice or something like that. Whatever. It was something like that. And the girl had never heard of it. She said, oh, you might, you might better get that in one of the big towns, but not out here. I don't know. She might not have spoken like that at all. I just made that bit up. She might have spoken completely differently. Might have been Chinese. And so, they, so don't go to New Zealand. But so he was speaking on New Zealand television. He said, there is no blame so far placed on Kate Middleton, who was in the hospital, as far as I could see, for absolutely no reason. What a stupid... What a, she was suffering. She's quite ill. She's, quite, she's got this serious morning sickness. But I mean, you don't expect him to know, do you? Often worry about people like that. I mean, how do they sort of wake up in the morning? The answer is somebody comes and wakes them up, I suppose. Uh, 84850 uk. We went to our lunch. It's Mickey Driver's Wood Green. And Mickey said he went to the Brinsworth Christmas party last Saturday and visits frequently. This is the home in Twickenham for retired showbiz people. The entertainment is second to none. I told him you visit and he knew your name and said he hopes to meet you one day. <laughs> Very runny nose this one. I don't know why. Paul Savory's on his way home from America, which is lovely. So I think we're getting we're getting together this weekend. I think we're getting together this weekend. I'm not entirely convinced uh, whether we are, but I, th- I think there might be something happening as well. Uh, other stories in the papers today. James Arthur. I'm so bored with James Arthur. I don't care what anybody says. I know people like him. I know some people voted for him. Not me. Don't like him at all. Opie disappears. But now he's come up Trump's for the children's charity, because uh, what they've done is they've rocked up a lot of money and all the proceeds going to the good cause, which is which is good news. You know, you can't fail. But, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, doing something for charity doesn't overshadow the fact I think he's naff. I think he's very, very naff indeed. He was horrible to Matt Cardle. Horrible to Matt Cardle. And, uh, and now, all right, so he's done well with the single. If he's still around this time next year... I'll be very, very surprised. Very, very surprised. Uh, Sean Ryder blames his ignorance of current affairs on kids' TV and films. The Happy Mondays frontman, introduced to a variety of shows by his children, admitted, I haven't a clue who the Home Secretary is or what's going on. I'm immersed in children's telly. I've sat through all sorts. Well, you would, wouldn't you? You would, if you've got children. I mean, uh, he was the one... I, I don't know much about Sean Ryder, apart from the fact he was he was with the Happy Mondays, and that's as far as it goes. I don't know anything else about them at all. So perhaps I'm as guilty as he is. 
Perhaps I'm as guilty. Peter Kay has enough money to feed garlic bread and roller cola to the whole of Bolton. Uh, he's held on to his title. Uh, in the past year, he made £4 million. See, there's huge amounts of money. So you can understand when Jimmy Carr, can you not, decides to start trying to stockpile his money and put it overseas and start doing these offshore accounts. Because if you've made that much money, if, as I tell you this morning, and it's true that Talisa could make four and a half million pounds next year, it's perfectly feasible that she could make four and a half million pounds. You suddenly realise how much money is in show business. You suddenly realise that there is an absolute acre of stuff out there. And... If somebody brings out a DVD at Christmas, well, that could net them anything up to 200,000. I mean, I should imagine Pugs, Pudsy the dog has done very well. We've had a DVD, a TV show coming up. You've also got, there's the calendar, the autobiography. We've had all of that kind of stuff, plus the appearances. Before you know where you are, you can rack up some serious money. Appearing at after-dinner speaking and being a guest on some of these uh, hotel things where they have companies that go to a hotel and they book people like Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr can make £20,000 for a gig for the night. Easy. Easy money. That's what they pay. I know, because I know an agency and I know the sort of money they're willing to offer. Years ago, five, six, seven, eight years ago, they were willing to offer a friend of mine £25,000 for an hour's work. That's how much money there is out there. You'd think there is no money out there. The blooming well is. You go to London hotels. If you get a London hotel and they've rented it out for a conference and it'll be sort of, you know, the, uh, the do-wah, diddy-diddy, I'm a mushroom brigade who've come all the way from Bolton in Lancashire and they want a big star and they want Peter Kay to come and entertain them for an hour so that they'll have dinner, they'll have speeches from the managing director and then it'll be Peter Kay who'll come on and do an hour for them. Peter Kay would probably get around about 30,000, 35,000 if he can be bothered to do it. Many of these people say, I don't want to do it, I can't be bothered. They go, 35? Don't want to do it? 40? No, I really don't want to do it. 45,000? And that's, and that's how it goes. And so Peter Kay would then sort of end up doing something for... I should imagine Peter Kay has probably earned, for some of these gigs, upwards of £40,000. We know, because very, very rich people... I mean, who was it a short while ago? It wasn't the Sultan of Brunei, but somebody like that, who actually paid a pop artist, and they paid George Michael a million quid for coming out and singing a few songs at a gig. If you're very rich, a million pounds is nothing. Nothing at all. You say, George Michael will come into a private gig for us, or Elton John, or whoever it is, and that's how they make their money. That's how they make their... Somebody says, you're right about New Zealand. Went there, one-way ticket after six months. I was very happy to return to Europe. A very boring, bit like Canada... I don't know much about Canada. I had an uncle who uh, lived in Canada. He quite liked it. He used to send us the calendar from it. Uh, they used to bring out this, calen- uh, this Canada calendar. And it used to have beautiful shots on it of, of, of autumn and winter. And it was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Robin in Golders Green says, uh, Whatever happened to the weatherman who lived in the beach hut in Frinton? Is he still in the hut or has he been washed away? <laughs> It's not been washed away, no. I spoke to him yesterday. I spoke to him yesterday, which was good. No, he's looking fine. He's, unfortunately, he's terribly fit, and I'm not terribly fit. And I think he, he only likes standing next to me, because he looks even better, and I, I just look a little bit a little bit older, I'm afraid. Actually, talking of looking uh, older, apparently by year six nowadays, kids are looking very obese. And they are, aren't they? Kids, kids nowadays are a lot fatter than they were. It's because of all the rubbish food. 
It's been, we, we, we've just got a Burger King opened in, in Twickenham. And yesterday, I mean, they've, they've opened it in record time. I should imagine three weeks start to finish, gutted out the last Ozone Oriental restaurant, which people didn't want. I shouldn't imagine the good people of Twickenham want Burger King either. And so we've now got Burger King and it's full of all the students. And luckily, when they go on holiday very shortly, the place will be empty because I can't see anybody else wanting to use it. I mean, it's Twickenham. We're far too upmarket to have something like a Burger King. That's very low rent. And I was having this major discussion on the programme two days ago about whether or not, you know, their, their burgers aren't flaming tasty. And they've got a picture of, of flaming burgers. I said, but I don't think that they cook them in the shops. I've never seen, I've been in loads of Burger Kings, and I've looked through, I've never seen any flames anywhere. And then somebody said to me that if it's only a small unit, they're actually cooked elsewhere, then they come in. That's why they go in the microwave, to make sure that they really are hot. Because I thought if they were coming off the griddle, if they were, you know, properly cooked, then that would have been completely different. But uh, I don't know. We were, trying to, we were trying to get to the bottom of that the other day, and somebody said that they thought that they actually came in frozen. They had been flame-grilled, so they weren't well, not misleading you. It's just that they then heat them up in the microwave, because everything goes in a microwave. Every time I've ever ordered anything in there. And I don't like their burgers anyway. And the reason I don't like them is, is because they don't look like they do on the pictures. You look at the picture on the board and then the actual burger arrives and you think, oh, it doesn't look at all like that. I was very, very disappointed. And they don't do proper hash browns and their staff are a little bit pushy as far as I'm concerned. Especially the ones at Waterloo Station. Oh, ghastly. Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I? No. Let's just, just calm down a little bit, shall we? Calm down a little bit. OK, now, what, what do you do? Can I help you? Wait a minute. I shall let you know in a moment. And I like to take my time and really drag it out. And if, if you ask for one, just one thing, they go, would you like a meal? No, would you like a drink? No, I've just asked for one thing. If I'd wanted the meal, I'd have asked you for a meal. But as I say, they are particularly stupid in some of the branches. And there's obviously not a test you have to pass, is there, to work in some of these places. Just the ability to shout, can I help you? Can I help you? It's quarter to five. Morning. Uh, another one here. Fairy Spangles. We know Fairy Spangles very well. Something to do when your next Dorchester sandwich trip is. Uh, I think it's going to be a new year, actually. I think so. And um, another one here. More, more cards have come in. Andrew and Keisha in Tottenham. Thank you for getting us through another year and putting a smile on our faces. Thank you for that. I shall pass on your best wishes to John Warrington as well. And uh, in keeping with tradition, Corin and Tony... Much love. Thank you for another great year of listening. And it's more glitter. <laughs> this all goes back many, many years ago on LBC when I said, I do like glitter on cards. And ever since then, every time people see a glitter card, they send it in to me. I get more glitter cards than anybody else. And Sharon and Jeff in Hornchurch, regular listeners, long-term listeners. Thank you very much indeed for your card. As I say, we've had loads and loads. Dawn, a nice one here. And I think that's a moon pig card. Is it? Oh, no, getting personal cards. Oh, right, that's a new one. She says, I may not agree with everything that you say, but you're still my most favourite radio presenter. I never miss a show. Thank you, Dawn, very much indeed. And uh, who was this one from? This is quite a good one, actually. Oh, it's Jan and Peter, actually. And hopefully we shall, get some, uh, we shall be able to get together sometime in 2013 with you and the LBC listeners. Because we haven't done a Steve Allen show, have we, for a, for a little while now. Uh, Chris wants to know what I think of Geordie Shaw. I'll be brutally honest, I haven't seen it. I know how awful it can be. I know the sort of people who are in it, but... It just doesn't interest me. I watched a little bit this morning when I woke up of the Chelsea one, the Made in Chelsea, and uh, some of them are some of them are okay, and some of them are a bit stupid. They are a bit. Spencer Matthews is a bit stupid, I'm afraid. Uh, and somebody says I wanted a healthy fruit and veg drink, but I don't own a juicer, so I blended my favourite fruit and veg in a blender and added water. We don't need to add water, do you? Just blend it, and it will come out. You'll either make yourself a smoothie or something like that. But it, you could do anything. You don't need a, a juicer. 
for making... Just put it into a blender. That's all they are nowadays. Very, very easy. Very, very easy to do these sort of things. Uh, another one here from, uh, from Christine, who is in uh, Dublin. Let's hope you like my, my crimbo tree. Every one of my pictures arrives in the wrong way round today. It's very nice indeed. Very nice. I should, I should, I should put my... I, I did Twitter the picture of my Christmas tree. And somebody said it looked horrible. But in fact, it's got 500 lights on. And I think it looks absolutely fantastic. I do like it. I know that you've got to get out there at the moment and buy your Christmas tree. I spoke to somebody yesterday in the office who haven't bought a Christmas tree, mainly because they've got uh, a son who I think is about might be one or two, something like that. And they thought that if they put a Christmas tree up, he'd rip it to pieces. I said, but that's half the fun of it, kids playing with Christmas trees. It's good, you know. I think that's what's good. Very cold in Japan, says Steve. He's, uh, he's stuck working out in there, in the place where the ninjas come from. It's very nice to hear your homely voice. What if people just wander through the internet and think, I wonder what's, you know, they, they, they wander around and then they hear a voice. They go, ah, lovely. That'll be nice. You know, let's have a listen to that. So they listen for a few few minutes and then they go, oh, that's Steve Allen. It's on LBC, isn't it? 97.3. And people listen all the time. All the time. I've, I did have a review. One of our, um, one of our uh, producers here put together a list of the reviews of Viva Forever. And I went through it earlier. They're not kind to it. They're really not kind to it. Nobody seems to like it. They criticise the book. They've, uh, they've criticised everything about it. They've said it's dull. And if I bought tickets for the show, if I was a Spice Girls fan... Uh, A, it would have been a good opportunity to go down to the theatre the other night and see all of the Spice Girls, even Little Miss Misery as well. But she did garner, have you noticed? She got all the publicity. All the publicity was about her. Nobody else featured. All right, there was a picture of the Spice Girls and there's a picture of the Spice Girls in the paper today. But she's the one who gets all the coverage. They must be spitting blood. (laughs) Even though, publicly, oh, we're all really friends and we all chatter. Quite clearly they don't. Quite clearly they don't. Even though, was it Mel B was saying the other day, oh, you know, we're like sisters. I thought, no, you're not. You're like an estranged family. She doesn't have very much to do with the Spice Girls now because she's moved on. She's, you know, the one who was the least successful Spice Girl, the one who nobody really bothered with, has turned out to be the most successful Spice Girl. And that must, that must be a little bit irksome for some of the other people in the group. I would have thought so if I was in the group thinking, you know, we all turned up on time, we smiled, we did everything, and we get some photos in the paper, but she gets pages and pages of coverage for A, turning up fashionably late, or as I said yesterday on the programme, blooming rude. There's no excuse for turning up late to anything at all. There really isn't. I don't care. Everybody else managed to turn up on time. You just plan your journey properly. Stop being stupid and stuck up and just turn up. I mean, Elizabeth Taylor was fashionably late all the time. She never, ever managed to turn up uh, early for anything. You could guarantee... That's like that supermodel, isn't it? Naomi Campbell. You know, a rather rude little girl from Streatham. As you know, tried to pretend she's got royal blood or something. You know, she, she thinks, the way she behaves, you would think she thinks she's something special. And, um, and she was always late. They did a feature in one of the magazines, might have been The Standard, Donkeys years ago. And they sat there, and they sat there, and they sat there, and they sat there. And eventually, Little Miss, uh, Little Miss Prim sort of swept in, swept up to her suite, and then went out shopping. And then made them sit there and wait. I'd have just packed everything up and gone out and gone, listen, darling, no chance. And just left her there. Made her look stupid. Elizabeth Taylor, people would sit there waiting. You know, you could die waiting for Elizabeth Taylor to turn. Wait a minute, is she here? She's here, she's here. Why are you late? Why are you late? You know, why did nobody ever say to this stupid woman, why are you not early? 
Why can you not turn up? It's, like, it's the same as, you know, radio program. We were discussing this kind of yesterday and saying there's such a thing as professionalism. This show starts at four. It doesn't start at five past four. It doesn't start at half past four or quarter to five. It starts at four. So why are people late for parties? You know, it's like somebody turning up to do a radio show one minute before you go on air. That's called unprofessional. You know, at least arrive there. Make sure you're sounding awake. Make yourself a cup of tea. Settle yourself down. That's what you're supposed to do. It's called being professional. As far as I'm concerned, Victoria Beckham is so unprofessional. All right, she garners all the publicity, but she was late. One minute to curtain time, and she blamed the traffic. Well, get out and walk. Sitting there. Goodness sake. It's just appalling. Just appalling, I'm afraid. The kind of thing that really annoys me. I hate people being late. Uh, boring places, apart from New Zealand... Richard says, I once spent a week in Western Australia. Apart from seeing the old prison at Fremantle, it was the most boring place I've ever been to. Yes, I'm trying to think of boring places abroad. Where have you been to that is a boring place abroad? Or actually anywhere, really. You know, 84850. Um, uh, Steve, don't you just have the following saying, no smoke without fire. It's assumed there must be something going on, or why would you be accused? Yes, I mean, well, there is that one, isn't there? You know, there's no smoke without fire. But then you could say that about anything, couldn't you? I remember there was a certain celebrity years ago. Well, I'll tell, well, well, tell you who it is. It's Cliff Richard. There were always rumours about poor old Cliff's sexuality. And people were always saying, oh, he must be, he must be. And he's going, no. And then somebody else would say, there's no smoke without fire, you know. And you start thinking, listen, he said not. And people say, well, it must be. And so it goes, it's, it's chewing and froing backwards and forwards. And they say, well, nobody had mentioned it otherwise. You know, nobody ever mentioned that sort of, you know, uh, Prince, Prince Harry is gay or something. You wouldn't hear that kind of rumour, would you? You wouldn't hear people saying about Prince, you know, Prince William, he's a bit gay, isn't he? Because nowadays you go to a school and you say something's a bit gay, it means it's, it's, they don't mean gay sexual. They mean gay, it's sort of a bit naff. You know, I've actually got a very gay bike. You go, really? How does that work out then? And they go, well, it's just naff, isn't it? And so that's how it is. Great show, says Patrick. I've upgraded the car stereo for the show. Phew, that's bosh for you. Upgraded the car stereo. I've never heard of such a thing. Blimey, we'll have to send you money or something like that. Upgraded the car stereo. What have we got now? Valve? You've got Valve radio in the car? They're very popular. Upgraded the car stereo. I've just... Oh, dear. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said about this programme. The nicest... I mean, people have said nice things about the programme, but they've, they've never, ever told me. They've never, ever told me that they've upgraded the car stereo. I believe you've been to Vegas, says Geraldine. What would you recommend I do not miss out on? I don't know, actually. There's nothing. I mean, it's all there. It's in one place. It's big. It is big. Um, well, I'll I tell you, the, the one thing you should do if you go to Vegas, rent a car. And then you can drive around. You can go out to the suburbs where all the people live. Proper people. Real people. You know, they, who work within the industry. And it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Places you have to go to. OK, you've got to go to the Titanic exhibition. You've got to go to the Mob Museum. Not the one in the hotel. The one down in uh, Fremont Street, which is worth going to. You've got to go down to Fremantle. That's worth it for all the covered-in places. That's well worth going to, especially in the evening time when the light show starts and all the old casinos. Just go for a walk through all the casinos. Do Old Vegas with Circus Circus. Uh, do a helicopter ride over Vegas at night, because that's worth it. Do the Hoover Dam. Do, uh, what else you got to do? Try not to gamble. You'll find it pretty much impossible. The food is rubbish. They have got really good food there. If, if you can make it, go to the Picasso room at the Bellagio, where you can have breakfast surrounded by Picassos. I think they've got like 30 million quids of the Picassos in there or something. Have a look at their uh, chocolate room. And the hotels, you'll just go, Ooh jaw-dropping but renting a car i think is important 
because then you can go out of town and it means you can move away from Vegas. It's lovely. And, and Vegas at night is great. Just looks very pretty. But there's nothing, there's nothing I think that, you know, go and see a show. You won't see anything like a, a show in Vegas. They're big, the rooms, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Anybody thinking you're going to a show cheap, it's not. Food is cheap over there for eating the fast food stuff. That's cheap. You can spend a fortune in, in restaurants. Uh, but apart from that, it's, it's just an interesting place to go to. It's adult place, isn't it? Adult place. That's why people go to Disneyland, because you can't go there under 21. Because they just don't serve people under 21. Strange, actually, I was, I was thinking about that the other day in the Barmy Arms in Twickenham. You've got to be over 21 to actually have a drink. Some pubs are 18, but they're 21. There's a couple of pubs in town which are 21. And they're one of them. And in Vegas, you've got to be 21. And they're very, you know, you can't even walk onto the casino floor. They've got spotters and they'll, they'll jump on you like a ton of bricks and escort you off. So if you're a family with kids, Vegas ain't the place for you, I'm afraid. You need to go to Florida and to Disneyland. Read the burger thing, says Don. You're correct. The burgers are flame grilled in a factory and then microwaved to order on site. Technically correct as flame grilled, but misleading. Well, I mean, I'm expecting to, I mean, I want to see in a Burger King flames coming up from the back and people flipping burgers. But I don't think I've ever seen that. And that's why I asked the question. That's why I asked the question. Wendy burgers were the best. Oh, they were. <gasps> Wendy burgers were square burgers, and they used to do them in the Strand. And on a cold winter's evening, you could go down there, and you'll say, I'll have, um, you, you could have whatever you wanted. They made it to order in front of you. The burger would be there. And it's making my mouth water now, you see. And they'd, and they'd say, what would you like? And they'd go, have a cheeseburger just with uh, cheese and tomato, please. Would you like any mayo on that? Just a little bit of mayo. And you'd watch them make it, then they'd wrap it. And when you got it, they'd go, oh, it was delicious. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, somebody else has said, Paul in Poplar, they had a branch in St Martin's Lane, close to your studio. Yeah, the, the one I used to go to was on the Strand. It's a pizza, pizza hut now. But, oh, Wendy Burgers. I don't know why they closed. They were really, really good. In America, they've got every fast food you could possibly think of. I mean, absolutely every fast food. Some you've never even heard of before. But I went to a place, I told you the other day, off Oxford Circus, where they did Mexican. And it was only a little little tiny place, and they did this sort of tortilla wrap kind of... It was delicious. It was absolutely wonderful. It really was nice. Um, uh, Steve, the most boring place on Earth is Fuerteventura. It's like the moon with a beach and a tapas bar, says Ross in Rotherhithe. <laughs> So we're we're talking about that. Uh, Wendy Burgers the best, but they are the Betamax of burgers. Better quality, but outsold by inferior product with better advertising. Says Don. That's why actually. That's why you get the advertising, and that's why all these places are, you know, are, are packed because it's cheap food, isn't it? When I said to a friend of mine yesterday in Twickenham, I said, "Oh, I said Burger King's empty. Oh, fantastic!" I said, "You don't really like them, do you?" And he went, oh yes. Oh, sounded like the uh, the dog on the television advert. Oh yes. And so he, he was very excited about it. I said, well, I'm, I'm not as excited, I'm afraid. I can't wait for the... You know, it's not... I don't think it's the sort of image people want. I think if you're going to have fast food places, stick them out of town. Don't stick them in town centres. It attracts all the wrong sort of people, I'm afraid. They're open early, open late, and people hang around them. Not good news at all, as far as I'm concerned. But there you go. That's the town council in Twickenham and Richmond for you. Not the brightest pennies in the box, I'm afraid. We've got lights on all the big trees in Twickenham. Have they turned them on? No, they haven't. Do they need help with the money? Probably. Have they overspent? I should imagine. We'll wait and find out, shall we? News at five coming up very shortly. It's LBC 97.3. Then we'll tell you about the blind Paralympics champion. He's a benefit fraudster, I'm afraid. Morning. It's Thursday morning in London town. Sylvia and Wendy. Hanwell, wish you a very Merry Christmas. Lovely card, actually. It's glitter. 
wish I'd never mentioned <laughs> glitter years ago. It's coming back to haunt me. Have you noticed this? Every card now is glitter. Every card, every envelope is covered in glitter. It's going uh, to look a bit like the Tooth Fairy. Uh, so, uh, two benefit fraudsters we find today. Well, one, one benefit fraudster and one we're not too sure about. And the agony... The agony of Coral and Peter Jones. Coral and Peter Jones, you remember, are the parents of uh, April Jones, who went missing, I think, 12 weeks ago. Ten, ten, yeah, about ten, ten weeks ago now. And they've, uh, they've admitted, for the first time, that they may never see her again, as they're facing Christmas without her. How you ever, ever come to terms with that, I've got no idea. How you ever equate... You know, and how how people, you know, can ever say anything about people who lose a child. A child, you know, it's different if you've actually got somebody that physically the body comes back and you can bury them. But they they just don't know where she is. It's the Madeleine McCann and the thousands of other children all over again. You know, children who just disappear off the face of the earth. There are thousands every year who go missing. I'm constantly opening up the papers to see another picture of a child who has disappeared. And, and unless it's happened to you, you've got no idea. But they have actually, they've previously refused to give up hope that their beautiful daughter would be found alive. But they've now said uh, they may never see her ever again. I mean, how you face up to that, I've got no idea. Whatever, whatever hardships we go through in our life, it's nothing to what this family must be going through. And other families as well, because there are people who don't even make the newspapers. They just make the local newspapers. Somebody went missing, or this happened, or that happened. And it's terribly tragic, and it's always at Christmas, isn't it? It's the time when we're supposed to be our happiest. And we're not necessarily our happiest, because some people at Christmas, they hate it. They haven't got enough money. Maybe they haven't got any work. People have lost their jobs. And that's the worst thing. You know, marriages split up. All sorts of things happen which can add to crisis at Christmas. And that's why when you hear adverts of people, they say, you know, can you, can you do this and do that and help us raise a little bit of money? We do it. They don't do it in any other countries. They probably do it in America and they do it in big places. But in a lot of little out-of-the-world out places, they don't do it because they've got enough to deal with. In, in Russia, there are children living in the sewers, Child teenagers living in the sewers outside the railway stations, begging on the railway station. Here, we've just got a load of old bozos sitting underneath the cash point, holding the round out, going, oh, got any spare cash? And they've all got plaintive, stupid voices. Why can't you have to oh, Sorry, do you have any spare cash today? Nobody ever speaks like that. You've got any, got any spare cash, mate? I'm sorry, can you speak properly? Give the dog back to Battersea Dog's Home, for God's sake. So here is the, uh, here is the triple gold medal para-Olympian. This is judo ace Simon Jackson, I'm afraid. Oh, you stupid, stupid man. It really is. He's blind. He claimed for taxi fares to work. Unfortunately, he was being driven by his wife. Why do these people do these things? You know, I mean, quite clearly, brain dead. He was awarded the MBE for services to sport, spotted in the car by the Department of Work and Pensions investigators after a tip-off. In other words, somebody quite clearly knew that he was fiddling the benefits. You have to tip them off, because they're taking the benefit from you. You're paying for it. Remember the single mother yesterday? The single mother who's on 15 grand a year, never done a day's work in her life, just lay on her back... Had, uh, had two children, and now she's sponging off us. Get off your fat bum and get out there and do a job. Do something. It just drives me mad, I'm afraid. But anyway, this bloke was investigated after a tip-off, and luckily somebody, somebody, somebody squealed on him. Because I don't see any problem with this whatsoever. He won gold at Seoul in 88, Barcelona in 92, and Atlanta in 96, and was working as a student support mentor for Rochdale Council. He'd been entitled to an access-to-work grant because he's unable to use public transport. Manchester magistrates were told he was putting in claims of between 15 and 27 quid for each journey, plus costs. 
The prosecutor, Harold Smith, said the taxi company on the claim form had no records of the journeys claimed by the defendant through the Access to Work account. He pleaded guilty to two charges of fraud by false representation relating to taxi payments. He'll be sentenced. He said, I'm ashamed. I realise it's going to impact on the rest of my life and I'll lose my job. Good. Good. I hope you appreciate that. You know, it's not just a couple of quid, it's 10,800. You know, he quit judo in 2008 after an injury. What a stupid person. You, ju- you just give up, don't you? What can you do? This is somebody we've given an award to, and then he still fiddles it. I mean, how stupid you have to be. And the estranged wife of ex-motorbike uh, stuntman Eddie Kidd has been arrested on suspicion of assault and fraud. Because uh, I don't know how many... Well, I think Eddie Kidd, I think this is wife... It could be wife number three. I can't remember, really. But I remember bumping into Eddie Kidd years ago at some bash at Stringfellow. It was a long, long time ago. And then he had this this accident, and it put him in a wheelchair, paralysed completely. And uh, when you think, he was, he was like, you know, he was big. Eddie Kidd was big in my day. Absolutely, absolutely huge. He really was. Uh, Paul O'Grady, a lovely interview with Paul O'Grady. Even better one on LBC. Even better on LBC, which is the uh, which is the in conversation with Paul O'Grady. It's nice when you've got somebody just chatting away, you know. And if you've known somebody a long time, and I've known Paul for many, 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 many years, you know, it must be twenty five, thirty years, probably as long as I've known Biggins, I would think. And uh, he's such a good, he's a good chat, is Paul. You know, you could sit down, and he's he's just he's interesting. That's why his autobiography. He's on version three, I think, or updated version three, and it's and he writes it. He talks from the heart. It's not like Katie Price's vacuous old piece of rubbish. I'm afraid, only good for hanging on the back of the toilet door. But you know, in the case of Paul O'Grady, it's good stuff, and that's why this week, and it is a particularly good one again. I don't think we've had a bad in conversation. I think this week would rank as certainly up there with the best of them. It's going to be Billy Crystal. And it's going to be Dustin Hoffman. So you get two Hollywood greats. Really, really good. Toby Anstis I bumped into yesterday. And he said, uh, he said, love the Billy Crystal interview. So there you go, which is nice. Um, I've heard you talk about the fat duck before, Steve. I watched Master Professional Chef last night. They went into the kitchen. It was fantastic. Yeah, if you if, put it this way, they close over Christmas, the fat duck. This is Heston Blumenthal's restaurant. Uh, because they're so packed throughout the year, they don't need to worry about Christmas, unlike some places where they really thrive on on Christmas. And uh, I've never eaten there, but a friend of mine went there and she did the taster menu. She said it was fantastic. She said it was fantastic. I mean, he he is very, very innovative and he's very, very personable. You know, and I I don't say that lightly about celebrities because I've 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 met lots and lots of people over the years, and believe you me, the bigger the, the bigger they are, the nicer they are. The smaller they are, the more revolting. And for that, look at the TOWIE cast. Look at any of the, uh, of the other programmes where they've got self-inflated egos. You know, they have no, no talent, barring the fact they're actually on your screen. Whereas big Hollywood stars and big, you know, big singers in this country, big cele- they're, they're proper celebrities. They're proper people with talent. Half the, I mean, I heard, whether it's true or not, I don't know, that they're going to be having another axing in The Only Way is Essex and there's going to be a few established ones out the window. Mainly because they're dull. And uh, for for once, I would recommend Lydia Dim and her mother. I would get rid of them. They, they, they don't do anything, these people. Joey Essex, you've got to get rid of anyway, because it's just a pointless waste of time. Both the Fahir sisters, as their stepfather goes to prison for for thieving. And so we just have to get rid of them. It's by association. It just isn't a good thing to have associated with a programme, because the press pick up on it. So they have to go as well. You've got to get rid of Arge. I mean, the man has contributed nothing to the programme in the last year and a half, I'm afraid. 
which is terrible. Uh, Don says, you're a wonderful and yet a terrible man. I want a Wendy Burger now. I remember that branch in the Strand and slavering as you work your way along the line as they freshly cook exactly what you want. I know. Are McDonald's burgers microwave, Steve? No, but what they do is they're, they're, they're cooked and then they're put in hot drawers and then they assemble them. And I know that because you can watch them at Waterloo Station doing it. So the girl will go, can I help you? That's their only line, is it? Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? And in the the end, you want to drag him over the counter and go, I know what I'm in here for. You can't help me. You can only take an order. Okay. You can only take an order. And then you say, I'll have a large, what do they do? Is it a double sausage and egg McMuffin? And it comes out of little drawers. They take out, they put the burger down. Nobody's wearing gloves. Nobody's wearing gloves. God knows what illnesses people have got nowadays. I, I get funny about people putting my food together without gloves on. And then they wrap it. And the, if you notice the wrapper that comes round it, it could be either two things. It's printed on both sides for different things. So they're, they're actually assembled. So it's all cooked beforehand. Where? I've got no idea. I don't remember seeing anybody cooking. In Wimpy, you see them cooking it, don't you? But I don't remember seeing people cooking in McDonald's. But I suppose they must do. And yet they seem to work on the, the size of a postage stamp. I don't know how that works. Uh, come on, Steve. Half of London asks for blank taxi receipts, says Pete the cabbie. Oh, I know. Let's go after the real tax dodgers, the Tory peers and, and large US coffee companies. Oh, there are, I mean, everybody used to do it. Fleet Street, as you know, Pete, was notorious. Uh, can I have a receipt? And sometimes the, the driver would write out the receipt for you. Most of the time, they'd just tear off a couple of receipts and give them to you because they knew that you were going to fiddle your expenses. Everybody fiddled it. I'll hold my hand up. I used to always get a taxi receipt. Always get a taxi receipt. Always, always. Uh, Burger King burgers are flame-grilled on the conveyor belt broiler, but they're then finished off in the microwave. I worked there when I was at school. By the way, Wendy burgers are the best, Steve. Yeah, I think everybody is quite unanimous in this this morning. Uh, Ted says, the Liberace Museum in Vegas, brilliant. Oh, it's closed, as you know. I met my husband on the Isle of Wight. We went back the following year to a somewhat uh, different... We chose Seaview. Oh, my God, says Karen. Everybody was 80 and used Zimmers. Awful chalet. Most exciting to, exciting thing to do was crabbing. I used to love crabbing. You go on the beach. As you know, as a kid, you were so easily pleased, weren't you? A little little net lifting up rock. Crab, 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 found a crab. Oh, I used to love it. They apparently still have Wendy Burgers in Singapore, says uh, Peter in Brecton. I've just come back and did indulge in one or two. 25 years ago, Steve, I was invited to stay in Morecambe for a week. God, boring. Yes, more. I don't know anything about Morecambe, I'm afraid. Ireland, less picturesque version of New Zealand in Europe. Wet, windy, and no people, because everybody goes overseas, like in New Zealand. <laughs> Apparently, says Max, gay is now becoming a positive term, as in, well gay. It's now cool. Well gay. Never heard of that one. Well gay. I'm well gay. like that idea. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, Miles in America... Says, I get a kick out of your childlike excitement for all things Yuletide. I love Christmas. I love it. I, c- I, could, I, could, I could work at a Christmas shop. I've got friends who've got, as you know, a Christmas shop in Tooley Street. And it's there all year round. I mean, that, that, that must be bliss. Bli- more glitter in there than you can shake a feather at. What's your opinion of the Christmas Eve service and lessons of carols at King's? Yes, they're very good. I mean, you can, if you go onto the internet, you can type in Christmas at... And it will put up King's, Salisbury Cathedral. All the main cathedrals have their own choirs. I'm led to believe that the carols at King's album is quite old now. I think the choristers are either, they're either dead or they're married with children. Because it was, it was recorded a long time ago. But you can't beat it. You can't beat it. You don't even have to be religious. You don't even have to be religious to want to go to 
church over Christmas at some point or to go to any of Raymond Gubby's things at the Royal Albert Hall, you know, where they, they put on these big carol concerts. And people want to sing. People love singing. The British love singing. We love communal singing. I myself get very involved with communal singing. If I can do it, I sing in the car. I sing in the car all the time. I sing at the Royal Albert Hall. Not intentionally. They've got that handle, uh, you know, from scratch coming up again, the Messiah, where you turn up, and if you're a singer or a musician, you can sing in the, in the choir stalls, in the orchestra stalls. Check out the uh, website of the Royal Albert Hall for further details. It's quarter past five. Coming up with Nick Ferrari this morning, the Boris Policing Chief apologising for touching female co-workers. And the big question today, is sexual harassment still rife in the workplace? Yes. I should imagine so in most places. It used to be. I don't know if you remember, if you're old enough to remember. But every time you went to a garage, there'd be a picture hanging on the wall of the Pirelli calendar. And the Pirelli calendar was all those girls, you know, clutching tyres or sort of, you know, with sort of airbrushed bits and pieces and doobly bits and stuff like that. And that was quite normal. And then people went, that's sexist. You can't have a calendar on the And then gradually these calendars disappeared. And I don't think I've been in a workplace now in a garage situation where there is a calendar like that. You know, we'd have the page three calendar and that you used to see them all the time. So I suppose the uh, the touching of people in the workplace. I think it. I don't know why it should always apply to females. It should apply to men as well. It should definitely apply to men because just as many men get touched, I should imagine, as women. But they'll be discussing that. Also, the campaign to save Lewisham A and E. The consultation will finish uh, today. And Boris Johnson building the world's biggest cycle network. Is it a good idea? No, it's not. <laughs> Uh, she turned up the other day on the television, the uh, poor old Helen Flanagan, not quite there in the brain department. You remember how stupid she was on the television? I've never met anybody so stupid and vacuous in my entire life. And she admits she came across as spoilt and brattish. No, you came across as stupid and simple. There was nothing spoilt or brattish about you at all. Perhaps that's the image you're trying to cultivate. And perhaps your agent said it's good to pretend you were spoilt and brattish, but you're not like that. No, you came across as simple. Really dumb. I've never seen anybody so dumb in my entire life. How you ever made it to adulthood, I've got no idea. Uh, 84850. Uh, another one here. And this is, um, this is uh, Queen's Market Car Park, which is lovely. Wimpy's Great Burgers, top fries, but fake ketchup. All oh, right. I like ketchup. I like ketchup. Uh, another one here. Uh, which says, uh, I'm not a great fan of fast food, but Wednesday's, Wendy's was definitely superior. And Popeye chicken, I've never heard of Popeye chicken. Uh, somebody else who says, why do most shop workers ask when you buy 10 or 15 items if you want a bag and then charge you 10p even if you've spent over £20? I went to Marks and Spencer's yesterday and I bought four bottles of water because I'm only buying water and I'm not buying anything, I'm not buying the food. Only buying the water in there, because they've reduced the price of it, and you get a big bottle, and it's ice cold, and it's quite nice. And so I said, uh, they, they apparently can't hear. They have an inability, and I, I get quite cross when people can't hear properly. And so I said, can I, because I bought four bottles of water, it's quite heavy. So I said, uh, can I have uh, two, two 9p bags? So, quite clearly, not concentrating, you know, head in the clouds somewhere. So he produces a 5p bag. So you have to repeat yourself, 9p bag. No, which have now magically gone up to 10p, so they're ripping you off in that department as well now. So, ten, so anyway, 10p bag. So what does he do? You've got two two-litre bottles of water. He stands them up in the bag. I mean, surely anybody with the brain cell of a pea would know that you lie down water in the bag. So, of course, when he handed them to me, they both fell over. And you think, you're a bit dumb, aren't you, really? I mean, do they, do they check these? Do they just sort of employ somebody on the basis of, oh, well, you can fit into the uniform? It's ridiculous. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. 
who read everything out on the programme, is uh, a lot of people enjoy Wendy Burgers. Joanna says, I love Paul O'Grady, enjoyed the book. Yeah, the, the latest one is absolutely fantastic. The latest one is absolutely fantastic. It really is. It's, I mean, his, his best to date and will do, I think, the best business. He's sold more than anybody else. He's sold more than anybody else, which is, which is very good. Very pleased for him. Very happy. And he's doing Panto, as you know, this week. Dustin Hoffman and, uh, and um, the other one as well, Billy Crystal. Very, very good indeed. Very, very good. Uh, Wayne, on the subject of Wendy's, says, we've got one in Christchurch. It was doing a roaring trade. The building was destroyed in 2011 and has yet to reopen. And they're now looking for a new site in the centre of the town, much of which is still closed. And I, for one, am looking forward to sampling their wares. Wayne was in Basildon. Now he's in Christchurch in New Zealand, of course. So that's why. So they've, they've obviously got them abroad. For some reason, it didn't work over here, but I thought they were the best burgers ever. But for some reason, you like sort of low-rent stuff. There is a small town 20 miles east of Orlando called Christmas. They have a decorated Christmas tree in the town square all year. Maybe you should move there, says David, when you retire. Retire, if only. Oh, dear, no chance of retiring, is there, in this business? I think some people retire, but some people, some people just keep going on. And, you know, with another contract under my, uh, under my belt... There's, uh, there's no chance for another year, at least. My son is in the Sea Cadets, says Andy, and they do a lantern parade tonight with the band. They march in the centre, but gutted. They don't go down the best part of pool tonight, the quay. So they will not pass my wife's lovely Christmas-decorated old-fashioned sweet shop. One thing is, that the, the good thing is, they won't eat all the stock. Oh, dreadful, isn't it? These old-fashioned sweet shops. People love old-fashioned sweet shops. They're really fantastic. Uh, no Wendy Burgers. No Wendy Burgers. But we have 7-Elevens in Hong Kong on every corner. The great convenience store, which uh, used to be in... Uh, yes, we had a 7-Eleven in Twickenham, and it closed. And I can't remember why it closed. Perhaps they just went out of business for some reason. He says, I, I live in Causeway Bay, not far from your old place in Happy Valley. Yes, we did check that out yesterday. Ben's in Hong Kong. We used to live uh, just above Happy Valley in Tunshan Terrace. <laughs> so funny how you remember these things from years ago. Is it funny you remember addresses? Somebody was asking a friend of mine the other day, I've not seen him for a while, can you remember Steve's car registration number? And straight away, he came up with the car registration number, and I thought, brilliant. How clever is that? Stalker. Uh, also, if you're thinking of having a turkey this year, some people might not be having a turkey, and they've been round and they've, they've checked with all the celebrities on which turkey is the most fattening. And the most fattening, as far as I can see, is 1,500 calories, and that's Nigella Lawson's. Jamie Oliver's is very low, and his is 700 calories. This is stuffed roast turkey with gravy, Christmas vegetables, and butter-roasted potatoes. If it's making your mouth water, join the club, because I'm feeling the same. The difference is, Jamie is a big fan, as you know, of putting stuffing under the turkey skin. Now, the problem with this is, this is the health rating, the problem is that the fat from the skin drains into the stuffing which you eat, but if it were in the cavity, it would drain away. So that's the disadvantage. So the health rating here is six and a half. Delia Smith, by contrast, calories per portion of her, roast turkey with chestnut stuffing, roast potatoes, parmesan baked parsnips, sautéed Brussels sprouts... (laughs) I'm not sure I can read too much food here. Chestnuts and traditional bread sauce. I hate bread sauce. It's 900 calories. And she uses less butter to stuff the turkey than Gordon's recipe, but sausage meat and bacon, both high in fat, will soak up even more fat from the turkey skin. Because, as I've said to you over the years, and I'm not, not a particular advocate of eating healthily, even though I'm supposed to eat healthy, is if you have something like roast chicken, don't eat the skin. 
because the fat is in the skin. And that's the tasty bit. That's why people like Kentucky Fried Chicken. If you just ate the chicken without the Colonel's lovely little recipe slapped on the outside of it, you'd be better off. But unfortunately, the worst bit is that uh, coating that they put on it. So in the case of turkey and chicken roasted, the skin is the worst thing. Even though it's the best bit, that's the bit that we love. Gordon Ramsay's calories per portion, 1,300. His health rating only gets a 4 out of 10. Because his turkey is stuffed, sounds delicious, with herb butter. His citrus breadcrumbs will be like a sponge soaking up the fat. He tells you to cook them in. Olive oil is used to drizzle over the turkey. A healthy option would be to leave out the herb butter altogether, because the olive oil will help it stay moist. With the meat and the breadcrumbs, and then the roast potatoes, and all the other bits and pieces, the duck fat, and it goes on. I mean, it is creamy and moist, and the meal will taste amazing, but it is about as fattening and as cholesterol rating as you're going to get. So his uh, health rating there, 4 out of 10. The best one is Gwyneth Paltrow, for some strange reason. And she's got a a cookbook called Notes from My Kitchen Table. She cooks chicken and maple Dijon roasted winter vegetables over a 10-hour period. 10-hour period, so it's very low. And uh, she's looking for calories per portion. What's she going for? 400. 400 calories. She uses very little fat. She relies heavily on the taste of basic, subtle ingredients. The vegetables are not coated in animal fat. She uses olive oil. The health rating is a magnificent 9 out of 10. So if you're looking for a healthy option today, The Sun, Gwyneth Paltrow's Turkey, uh, with all the options, and it sounds quite delicious, actually, is 9 out of 10. Nigella Lawson gets a 4.5 out of 10 health rating. The Hairy Bikers, 4 out of 10. Jamie Oliver's, as I say, 6.5. And and Delia Smith, 6th. And Gordon Ramsay, only four. So it's Gwyneth Paltrow who's the one whose turkey you should be cooking this year. But it's not turkey. It's ten-hour chicken and maple Dijon roasted winter vegetables. It's worth giving something a, a bit of a change, isn't it, this year? Makes a change from that boring old bland turkey, I suppose. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. Christmas puddings as well. Um, everybody's jumped on to the Heston Blumenthal bandwagon after he did his hidden surprise, which was the crystallised orange in the pudding. They've all jumped on the bandwagon now. Sainsbury's quite unashamedly have got their taste the difference hidden cherry centre pudding. There's nothing hidden about it. It's in the middle, OK? It's cherries. Nothing very exciting about that. Don't want to ruin it for you, but just in case you're cutting it, go, good Lord, cherries in the middle of the Christmas pudding. And then they've got uh, Morrison's chocolate and salted caramel bomb. A Moorish chocolate sponge. Oh, dear, sponge pudding. I don't think so. Not for Christmas. Very cheap, but I suppose for certain people. Uh, Tesco's finest Christmas one, which is good. I like like Asda's extra special jewelled Yule pudding, packed with nuts and generous portions of glazed fruit. What is it with these people with nuts and Christmas puddings? God in heaven, just make a Christmas pudding like a normal thing. And as Heston told us, and told me and told you at the same time, if you're going to do one of his Christmas puddings this year, steam it. Steam it. He said, you can microwave. Doesn't have a problem with microwave, but it tastes better steamed. Okay, that plumps up all the fruit. And if you're going to serve it with anything, his Christmas pudding with a surprise orange in the middle, the secret is, and this is is to go no further, liquid chocolate and double cream. It goes really well. He didn't think it did until somebody served him his own Christmas pudding in a restaurant in Italy, because that's where he goes for Christmas. He goes to Italy with the family, and the guy served it to him, with chocolate and with double cream. And he looked at it thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. He said, it tastes delicious. So just drizzle some chocolate over it. Just melt it in a little, you know, in little bowls over the hot water. And some nice ice-cold double cream. Sounds delicious already, doesn't it? Uh, I used to like Wimpy when they used to use proper onions, Steve. Now they don't. 
Yes, they, uh, they, they, use, uh, they don't do the same sort of onions as they used to, do they? And I tell you what's really dull from Burger King. I'm sorry to mention Burger King again this morning. Uh, their onion rings don't even taste of anything. I thought onions were supposed to taste of onion. Uh, LBC should produce a Pirelli-style calendar with you posing erotically in the nude with a microphone covering your modesty. What an insult. You don't seriously think a, a, a microphone is going to cover my modesty? For goodness sake. Uh, you can still get Wendy Burgers in Stevenage. Uh, was Burger King once known as Casey Jones? I don't know. There was Casey Jones Burgers. I don't think it was Burger King. I think completely different. Completely different. Uh, it's so cold this morning in Edinburgh, Steve. Even the squirrels are wearing scarves and gloves. And if you turn the... Uh, if you turn the... Ter- Didn't somebody say the other day... I can't remember who told me this one. But you have to apparently turn the turkey over. And I said, no, you don't turn it over. You put it on a wire rack, the turkey. And then the juices will drip through. Same if you're doing duck. Because duck is really, really fatty. Really, really fatty, so you've got to drain all the thing off, and you've got to make sure that it's, it's going to be nice. But all the papers are just full of everything, and especially for, um, for vegetarians, because sadly we have to cater for vegetarians at Christmas. Although, to be honest, why they don't bring their own food to the party is, is anybody's guess. But they don't, you have, so you have to cook a separate meal for... I like to sit them on a separate table. I'm sorry, the people sitting over there are vegetarians, OK? Shove them over there, well away from us good meat-eaters. And so it's not all nut roast. You don't have to have nut roast, because they're generally quite boring. You can have Stilton cheesecake. And uh, there's also... Morrison's do something for you, vegetarians. They do an upside-down nut roast. That's exciting. There you go. Another rivetingly exciting Christmas for vegetarians. Or you could have... Vegetarian and vegetable strudel with spiced cranberry and orange sauce. Looks lovely, but it's dull as ditch water. Dull as ditch water, but they tell you how to make it in the sun today. So for vegetarians, always have a little go at vegetarians. God, they're so boring. You always have to cook for them, but they never cook for you. Have you noticed that? They don't do things like that. Daily Express this morning, what have we got now? Oh, Slimmers. Slimmers, I must go to the... I must, just reminded me, actually, talking about slimming pills, I must go to the chemist today to pick up my prescription. I should have gone on Tuesday, and we're up to Thursday already. Uh, But one of Britain's most popular weight loss pills, they say, could cause possible liver or kidney failure. This is Ali, or Ali, I don't know how you pronounce it. And it's hailed as the absorption of fat in the gut. It's the wonder drug. There you go, Mike, just for us. And it's a half-strength version of a prescription obesity pill called Xenical. And what they're saying is that there could be slight problems with it. Now, this is on the front page of the Express. If you're taking it, I don't know what the side effects are. If you're a diabetic, then uh, you might be a diabetic because you're overweight, in which case you're battling obesity. And it's not easy. And, of course, Christmas doesn't make it any better at all, does it? It really doesn't make it any better. Christmas time is the worst time for vegetarians. Uh, sorry, not for vegetarians. Well, probably for vegetarians as well, but for poor old diabetics. Because you look at it all and think, oh, I love that. But uh, the Christmas pudding I couldn't have. But if I think about it, a little tiny piece with just some double cream on could be wonderful. Because there was a telly programme the other day and it had, it had the Olympic rower on there who's, the, uh, who's a diabetic. And he was eating all this dessert. And I'm thinking, how are you eating that, being a diabetic? Steve, how are you doing that? Sure, you'd love to tell me. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Lovely picture of Camilla in the Express today. All the papers predicting a wet Christmas, I'm afraid. Isn't that awful? Why do we have a wet Christmas? It's not very good. And a poor old darts fan thrown out of a live televised final after a baying crowd interrupted play by taunting him that he looked like Jesus. Nathan Grindle was enjoying the clash between Phil Taylor and his Belgian rival when the audience spotted him in chance of Jesus. They're such a classy lot of at uh, the darts, aren't they? They really are. You know, you go darts, class, not. And so uh, some people were holding comedy hands up 
and chants of Jesus were spreading throughout the whole crowd. I mean, I suppose it sounds quite funny, but not to him. He was close to tears. He was led away by security guards because they were, amid fears, he was upsetting the players' concentration. Well, that fat bunch of chavs. You're joking, of course. Excuse me. Chavs playing darts and their concentration. What, not content with all the old chavs and the old bikies in the crowd, people who arrive on their bikes shouting Jesus, and that wasn't distracting enough. No, so they threw him out. What a bunch of horrible people. He added in his post-match interview, Phil Taylor said something like, if I ever see Jesus again, I'll crucify him myself. And he's a darts legend, is he? What a thicko. What a thicko. A spokesman for the Professional Darts Corporation, because there is such a thing, says there was a lot of chanting of Jesus, and to avoid it becoming a distraction, he was taken to another part of the complex. We don't want one fan to be a problem for the players. Oh, little diddums. Poor old little darts players. Oh, you are right. Oh, blimey, honestly, what a bunch of fairies out there throwing their little darts. Oh, have you seen all the old things in the audience? My God, I tell you. I, mean, I suppose the only good thing about them is that all their tattoos are spelt correctly. I can't think of any other good thing to recommend darts. It's just dreadful. Uh, more on the, uh, the nurse in the paper today who hanged herself. She left a note. I'd love to know what was said in this note. We've, again, we were discussing this the other day and, and saying that there must have been something else that tipped her over the edge. Somebody must have said something in the hospital. And the amount of people who've written to me privately who work in hospitals to say they would have said something to her. You just don't leave something like that. They would have said something. Listen, this is very embarrassing for the hospital. If something like this happens again, we'll have to review the situation. You don't know what was said. You don't know what was said. They've said they said nothing. But, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit cynical, I'm afraid. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's Christmas recipe is in The Sun today. It's in The Sun. There's all the other things that we read out are from The Sun. Uh, David in Chelmsford says, I had to stop at South Mim's service area for diesel after I'd been resuscitated by the paramedics. I remortgaged my house to pay for the diesel. I shall never go there ever again. I wouldn't buy any petrol on any of the motorway services. Absolutely not in a million years. I pulled in once, I think I told you a short while ago, uh, up at Heston, because I was running out. I looked at the price of it, I thought, I think we'll just... I tell you what, I'll leave it. I'll drive on to another filling station. I'm sorry, I'm not putting up with stuff like that. That's just rip-off. That's just rip-off. And over Christmas, they're going to be doing it even more. Doing it even more. Not so good. Uh, apparently, on a number of trains, uh, including South Eastern, the heating is on in the summer. Yes, I've been sitting on a bus before where in the summer the heating is on. And yet yesterday we sat on a train. Was it yesterday? No, yesterday it was, it was cold enough. It was cold enough. Lenny was, it, God, it was cold enough. And then the day before, my friend Graham, who's got this, he suffers from Raynard's disease, so his hands get very cold. And we were sitting on the train, and the heating wasn't on in our carriage. And I don't know whether or not... They, I mean, does it cost any more to put it on or something? It's like the Christmas lights in Twickenham. They're on all the trees, the big trees. And yet they haven't switched them on. I don't quite understand that. Uh, the Who's Who muggers, pictures in all the papers today. The people who attacked nice Bernie Eccleston, one of the ghastly daughters. And uh, three members of that gang. That's uh, Gulam Ghani, a rather pathetic little person. Uh, Nicholas Lewis... God, you're ugly. And uh, Sean Wallace, a bit gay-looking, aren't you? Uh, they targeted bankers and people like that, but they're in prison for the next 20 years. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Not a lot of people know that. Have you ever wondered what earwax is really for, or whether the use of piped music increases sales? Well, there's a new brilliant book out, posed by readers of the New Scientist magazine. I've never read New Scientist magazine. I don't know. They have a page three girl in there or something like that? I shouldn't think so. But they also say... Uh, questions here, like, um, 
Up with the lark. Why do birds sing as dawn breaks? In why, indeed, why do some birds sing at dusk? And for what reason do they eventually stop? And the answer, you'll never guess. You wouldn't guess this in a million years. Birds sing more at dawn and dusk than any other time, because that's where they can hear more birds singing. Frequently at these times, the wind has dropped and a temperature inversion forms. That means a layer of warmer air forms above cooler air that changes the way in which sound is carried. Had you ever thought of that before? Have you ever, ever thought of that before? Nope, never, ever. Uh, another one here, saucy dogs. Saucy dogs. Uh, no, on second thoughts, I think I'll save that one. It's, it's somebody, it says, I've got two female dogs whose urine kills the grass in patches all over the lawn. My mother advised feeding them tomato ketchup, which I did, and the patches stopped. Why does this work, and should I really be feeding my dogs tomato ketchup? The one thing you don't feed your dogs, incidentally, is Christmas pudding. I mention this now, it can kill them. Because the stuff that's in the sultanas will kill dogs. I just warn you now, okay? Just in case. Just in case. Anyway, the urine acts as a liquid fertiliser but can produce nitrogen overload where the puddle of urine is deepest. This burns the grass towards the outside of the puddle when there's blah, 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 blah. And then urine is slightly acidic, but so is tomato ketchup. So it does not neutralise the urine, as some people believe. Instead, the salt content of tomato ketchup, juice or sauce, makes dogs drink more, diluting the nitrogen in their urine. Aren't you just so excited that I told you that this morning? Aren't you so excited? Uh, Antti in Highgate, morning sir, says, I can't stop laughing over the darts players piece. You always deliver the good sirs. Thank you. And uh, Joanna says, thank you for the uh, the recipe information. And can you really only get Wendy Burgers in Stevenage, says Marisa. I don't know. Somebody might be making it up. It could be just anything. I don't know. I've no idea. I've never been to Stevenage. Never been remotely interested in going to, to Stevenage. Uh, the word vegetarian comes from an ancient Celtic dialect, says Don, and means cannot hunt. Oh, right. I'm so thrilled by that this morning. And bored at the same time. You know, cannot hunt. That kind of sums them up, doesn't it, really? Here they are, vegetarian. Other table. Other table! Have you noticed in restaurants, if there's a vegetarian, they all serve them last? Because, to be honest with you, if you saw it, you'd probably think, oh, that looks quite interesting. I might have that. But it's always the same things, isn't it? It's always the same kind of things. Do you know, I wish I'd written love letters when I was small. I'll tell you a story in a moment about some love letters that were written to a very ordinary person. But they've just fetched a phenomenal amount... In auction. In fact, even more than even I would have imagined. So I'll tell you about that in a second. It's quarter to seven. The book, incidentally, of which we uh, we took the uh, the saucy dogs and up with the lark and uh, and any other things is called "Will We Ever Speak Dolphin." It's by New Scientist Books at seven ninety nine. So you can probably find it online. I should imagine. Will we ever speak dolphin by a New Scientist? There's all sorts of things in there as well. It says here: Is there any evidence that piped music in shops, pubs, and similar establishments increases sales? They say not only does it increase sales, but tests have shown that music related to a product can do so directly. For example, playing overtly French music in a supermarket will increase the sale of French wine or cheese. That's probably because the music creates a mental association with the product. It works with smells too. The smell of ground coffee or baking bread increases sales. Well, we know that because we know a lot of supermarkets do pipe out. They always say if you want to sell your house, then stick a loaf of bread in the oven and the smell of bread will permeate and people love it or have some fresh filter coffee on. That works a treat. If you walk into a house and somebody's cooking bread, immediately you warm to the house. You immediately warm to it. It's a known fact. People do that all the time. And freshly ground coffee is another absolutely brilliant one. Absolutely brilliant one. Uh, 84850. 
Steve says, for a nation turning away from religion, they all knew what Jesus looked like. He might have laid hands on them, but they probably don't allow it these days. Oh, I thought if, if Jesus was around today, he'd have been knocked up straight away, wouldn't he? Wouldn't waste any time. Sorry, don't touch people. I'm just about to do this trick with the loaves. Stop it. Stop it now. Water to... Stop it. That water to wine malarkey. We're not doing that. The funniest book I ever read was Spike Milligan's. And it was his version of the Bible, and it was the funniest thing ever. It, was, it, it wasn't even irrever- irreverent. It was, just, it was just a funny take on it. It was, you know, if, I think if people, you know, didn't laugh at it, then they've lost their sense of humour, and that's immensely sad, I'm afraid. Immensely sad. Uh, 84850uk Of course you stand plastic bottles up in plastic bags. If you don't, the tops will break through the bags, says Paul. Don't be so stupid. Not surprised you live in Pimlico. Dumb, 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 dumb. By the time you get to Pimlico, thick as bricks, you lie them down. You're obviously buying the cheap bags, are you? Buying from Netto again, are you? Something like that. Uh, Mark in... I don't know where, actually. But he says, heating on trains... Oh, hi, Wickham. Heating on trains. I got on the northern line at Old Street last night. The carriage had heating on, but it was off the scale. I've never been in such a hot carriage. I only went two stops, but it was very uncomfortable. The thermostat must have been broken. I don't think they have thermostats. It comes up from the floor, doesn't it? I think it comes up from... It's on the, it's on the side of the carriage. I think they just put it on. I don't think they've got any control over it. It's either on or it's off. Some places it's on in summer, as you say, just in the last, the last place you want it is in the blooming supper. Uh, sorry, it's in the, in the summer. Uh, we were in Selfridges yesterday in the salt beef bar. There was a couple having a coffee and cake who sat there looking at us disapprovingly enjoying a salt beef platter. Of all the places to go to the salt beef bar if you're vegetarian, I could eat some salt beef now, actually. That would go down very well with me. Very well, very well indeed. Regarding Burger King, uh, uh, I didn't have a particularly good burger in there. I was stuck, struck down with something, says Stephen. Well, I mean, it's your bit. I can't do anything about that. If you've got a brief against them, then you have to deal with that yourself. Cold yesterday, says Neil. Minus six. Minus six. Anyway, I was just wondering, he said, what everybody's favourite Christmas games are. How many people still play charades and other traditional games? Or have these old games been lost to computers and other electronic games? We normally have great rows when all the family are at centre parks, when it's boys against the girls. They're so easy to wind up. Works every year. He says, uh, I hope the picture puts a smile on your face. Let's have a quick look. See what picture it is. It'll be backwards, the answer. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Yes, very, very well indeed. Lovely. Um, actually, our, our best game at Christmas, which is, was always a good one, and used to have my mum in fits of laughter, was dice. And I'll tell you what it was, and, and I don't know whether it originated here. We played it in Hong Kong, and we had three leather dice cups. If you don't know what they are, check them out on the internet. And three dice. And so if you're playing with, say, we would play with an average of ten people. And so you would distribute the dice cups evenly, and you'd put a, put a dice in each cup, or a die in each cup. And on, these were special dice. They were slightly larger than usual, and they had a big red one on the top. A big red one. And the idea was that you shook the dice, you emptied it out. If you got a one... You put the dice back in and you passed it on. The idea is not to end up with two dice cups in front of you. And I cannot tell you, simple though it sounds, the hilarity you can have with this thing as you're trying to get the dice out of the cup as quick as possible before you end up... You know, my mother would be absolutely rolling, doubled up with laughter on this one. It was absolutely hilarious. So if there's between 10 and 12 of you play, you can play it with less. You just sort of cut down the amount of dice cups. But it was... I don't know why I've never seen it on sale. Perhaps it was a made-up game. Perhaps we just played it. But you can't beat a good game of Monopoly. I should like Monopoly. All good, good games at Christmas. As long as you sit down after you've had... Generally, it's Boxing Day, isn't it? You play games. Christmas Day, you just slump. You slump. You don't eat dinner till or lunch till about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Then you watch a bit of telly, and then, generally speaking, anybody over the age of 30 goes to sleep. 
That's what we do. We go to sleep. You know, the kids have done the presents. They're off playing with their presents. Like, you know, if you were young, you don't want to hang around with the adults because they're, like, boring because they're asleep. And then somebody passes around the tin of Quality Street. So you have some toffees and chocolates. And then somebody goes, anybody want a cup of tea? You go, oh, I'd love a cup of tea. Isn't that funny? At Christmas time, when you can drink all the time, people drink for Christmas lunch, and then you get back and somebody goes, you want a cup of tea? And you go, yeah, that's the best thing you've ever mentioned. I'll have a cup of tea. Do you want a piece of cake with that? I'll have a piece of cake. And that's, and that's how Christmas is every year. If you're over the age of 30, it's fantastic. I love it. It must be a nightmare being a child, because you've got to write your thank you letters. Dear Auntie Winifred, thank you so much indeed for the pair of pants you sent me. You have to write these things, don't you? And then you say, lots of love, Stephen, because you can't think of anything else to write. I shall wear them often and think of you. That's the kind of thing. Then it says, I've got a small bird feeder. Well, lucky old you. Oh, sorry, attached to the kitchen window. And I know why Bob, the lovely Robin who visits throughout the day, sings in the morning. It's to remind me to get his breakfast. A friend of mine's got one, and it's a mirror. But he can see out, but they can't see in. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I like things like that. But, I mean, you should put some water out for birds. Don't feed pigeons, OK, unless you're particularly stupid. Don't feed pigeons, because they're, they're quite easily scavenged. There's enough, you know, years ago you might have had to have fed pigeons if you were particularly concerned, like you've got that trail running at the moment, Nick Ferrari talking to a woman who's a fan of rats, because we invaded their territory kind of thing. She's the kind of, you know, person who would go out and feed pigeons. But there's so many fast food places, there is food all over the place now. Years ago we didn't have this ghastly fast food, now it's everywhere. There's so much food out there, pigeons have barely got the strength to take off. It's a bit like some joke, it's like chicken run, isn't it? They haven't got the energy to actually take off because they're so fat and so full. But we do have this mad woman round our way. She goes round everywhere and she dumps food in doorways. As I say, I'm trying to get her prosecuted. It's not easier. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. was always told to stand bottles up. If there's a problem with the lid, it would leak. If it's a bottle of water. It's a bottle of water, for God's sake. Oh, blimey, honestly. Where do we get these people from? Where do we get them from? Anybody doing nativity this year? Anybody doing nativity? I should imagine somebody must be doing the nativity. Because it's a bit more difficult in schools now, isn't it? You're not allowed to take the photos. People wanted to take photos of, of all the kids. You're not allowed to do it unless you've got permission. And then they went, don't be so stupid. People have always taken pictures of the nativity. That was the, that was the best thing. We like pictures. Because then you go, that's our little, that's Johnny there, and there's little April, and there's little Rosemary, and people like, and people love it. But now they're going, oh, no, you can't take pictures of the nativity. And you think, but they're parents. They just want a picture of their kid with a tea towel on the head. You know, playing one of the... What are you? One of the wise... And they always wave. Have you noticed? They always, whenever you go to the nativity, they always go... You sort of sit there and you go, oh, look, there, there's little Josephine. And Josephine waves back. Josephine playing a shepherd, you know, with a tea towel on her head. Just looking at some online pictures of Happy Valley, says uh, Gordon. It says, it looks very dramatic. I take it you lived in one of the many skyscrapers. No, we didn't. We didn't have us. We didn't have skyscrapers, actually. We didn't have skyscrapers at all when I was there. We had low-rise buildings. I think now, because property is at a premium, the prices in, in Hong Kong, Hong Kong dollar, the price has gone through the roof. Go to Knight Frank's website, the people who sell all the houses. Type in Hong Kong. Look at the prices. And look at how badly equipped some of the houses are. Really, really bad. Gordon in uh, Charlwood says, off to see Steve Harley this evening at the London Forum. Oh, lovely. He never fails to entertain, very underestimated as a musician. Yes, I think he's still on In Conversation. It might have disappeared by now, but he was, he was a very good In Conversation. I like Steve Harley. How's your Lucy Spragan research going? It's not really. It's not really. I was relying on Dawn to come up with things for me, and uh, it, it appears not to be as yet. I'm sure she will at some point. I'm sure she will. She will come up with some answers for us, because I don't know what's going on either. Uh, another one here. Uh, Jonathan says, on a tour of the Vatican last year, 
Uh, I asked if there were any paintings that depicted Jesus as Middle Eastern rather than Scandinavian. Apparently not. No, because people say that the the image that we have of Jesus is not the is not the person he would have been. He would have been of Mediterranean appearance. He would have been fairly dark skinned, and and but the image that you've got is of this nice Scandinavian bloke standing there. And of course, it doesn't bear any resemblance to him at all. But there aren't any photographs of Jesus wandering around Galilee, are there? Which is a shame. If somebody had invented the camera, let's face it, you know, God created the earth and yet never thought about a camera. It kind of makes sense to me, doesn't it? So we can look back and go, uh, this is the Garden of Eden before we had a makeover by Alan Titchmarsh. And uh, and here is, this is Gethsemane. Okay, rather nice little place here. And uh, this is the local Wimpy Bar. So God can invent trees and people and lakes and rivers and this and that. And he, he clothes, and he can't do anything to do with a camera or some sort of image. I find it very disappointing, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Oh, the love letters. The love letters. The love letter. Who do you think they were from? I thought they'd be something interesting, like Lord Nelson to, to Emma. But no, this is passionate love letters written by Mick Jagger to his then-secret girlfriend, Marsha Hunt, who had a great record out donkeys years ago called Oh No, Not the Beast Day, which was one of my favourites. They've just sold... This is from 1969. The letters have just sold at auction for £190,000. You wouldn't have thought people would be that interested. The Rolling Stone was... 25, and in Australia filming Ned Kelly when he sent the letters to Marsha Hunt, the American singer and star of the musical Hair. Brown Sugar was inspired by her. The ten letter, only ten letters, was uh, described by Sotheby's as remarkable and articulate. Well, of course, because, you know, Mick Jagger was a very, very middle-class boy. Very, very good education. He was posh boy. He was little posh boy. So, of course, they were, they were very good letters. But she sold them to fund some repairs on a house. 187,000 quid. I never wrote love letters. Probably a very good reason for it, I should imagine. News at six. Somebody wrote to me saying, I feed pigeons every morning in the garden. Ugh, but you're popular with a neighbour. That's popular as warts, I should imagine. And she says, they're not filthy. They are, they're filthy. They're flying rats. They carry diseases. They walk through their own excrement. They're filth. Filth, filth, filth. Anybody who feeds them needs taking out and shooting. It's as simple as that. The only good pigeon is under the wheels of my car or under a bit of pastry. Uh, lots of flights were hit yesterday. We'll find out later. Actually, today's not too bad. Today you should be at, uh, should be at a way, to, you know, should be all right getting away for your holidays. Because people do go, won't they? You watch next week, there'll be all the reports in the papers. Everybody leaving the country, going away to find a bit of sunshine. Whereas I love it, the misery here. It's great. I'm here Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, every day. Happy Valley sounds like a retirement home. It does, doesn't it? It's a race course, very popular, Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday and Saturday, big race meetings, Happy Valley in Hong Kong. The Chinese love gambling. They absolutely love gambling, and that's why it's rammed. It wasn't in my day, it was just just a bit smaller, I think. Apparently, the smell of fresh-cut grass helps sell you home. Not much use if you live in a flat, is it, really, I suppose. You're not going to be selling anything anytime soon, or in the winter. Let's go out and cut the grass. I always love looking out the window here. Every time they've had anything in Leicester Square, they cover over the grass and it dies. So they then dig it up and put another load of grass down. Well, they just pave it over, make it so much easier for everybody. Uh, another one here, uh, which is talking about the weather over Christmas. Everybody forecasting, I'm afraid, rain. And spare a thought that it doesn't work for townies to move to the countryside. There was a, a couple who moved from a big town or a city down to the picture postcard village of Sutton Points in Dorset. And they went down there and they thought they would ingratiate themselves into village life. Sadly, 
they fell foul of the villagers because the one thing that they didn't like was listening to a cockerel every morning doing the dawn chorus. And so they complained. And the council investigated. But unfortunately it backfired because the person who owns the cockerel in Sutton Points is Simon Grant-Jones. You see, it's always the double-barrel people who are a little bit chav, OK, and have the tattoos. And Simon Grant-Jones looks a bit chav, is the local blacksmith and has tattoos. It's, it's You see people on the Jeremy Kyle show, you know, Winthrop Tuesday Evans, you know, something. they're always chavs, always chavs. People think it's quite posh to have double-barrelled names. I don't know how on earth Simon Grant-Jones, you know, becomes posh, but he's not. Anyway, he owns this cockerel here which is very nice, and so he crows every morning. They seem to do it all the time. And these two people who'd moved in from out of town didn't like it at all, so they complained to the local council, and the local council investigated. Anyway, all the villagers, all the villagers rounded on this couple from out of town, went, boo, boo you, boo you. In fact, it got so bad, they had to keep the curtains drawn. In fact, it's now got so bad, they've moved. They had to sell up. They had to sell up. And, and move out the village. And the villagers went, yeah, we've got rid of you. Boo, you posh people from London. I'm the local blacksmith. I've got a cock that crows. And every morning it's going to annoy you. And we don't want you here. You, they don't, they don't like people. I spoke to somebody famous years ago. You know, I've told the story before. And he moved into what he thought was a little pr- picturesque village out in, uh, let's just call it Buckinghamshire for the purposes of this conversation. It's not Buckinghamshire, it's somewhere else. And uh, he said... People in little villages are so insensitive, they're so vile. They don't like people coming in from outside. And then I remember a woman who'd written a book. Her husband had left her, and so she was a single woman living in a village. And she said, villagers were vile. Really, really nasty, because they don't like outsiders coming in. There was the case of somebody who was poisoning cats. Do you remember in a village? Turned out to be some old man who was on the council. And he was poisoning them and then writing hate letters to people. I mean, he was quite clearly barking mad and should have been strung up years ago. But uh, sadly, they kept him on. But he was like this. But this, this friend of mine walked down there. Within day one, somebody had done his tyres. And then they put a scratch down the side of his car. And you think, what's the matter with these people in these villages? Are they all a little bit like Norfolk? You know, Norfolk's a little bit, little bit incestuous in Norfolk. The further up the country you go, by the time you get to Norfolk, if somebody says, you know, they brush up as you get to a disco, so I'll just be like a brother to you. Chances are, probably is your brother. You know, that's, that's the way it is in Norfolk. It's all, all sort of very incestuous up there. But in these little villages, they don't like outsiders coming in. So they rounded on this poor couple and they've had to flee. I don't think they did it late at night, but they're not going to take any further action. And so the local council sent out an expert to carry out a sound check. But as I say, I mean, you can buy, buy sound experts now, can't you? All these sort of people, they all club together. So little villages might look very picturesque. In fact, actually, the best little village, there's this lovely place with... Uh, where they filmed Went the Day Well, but there's an even better one on the front cover of Country Life magazine. I can't remember where it is, but I think it's where they filmed the Hovis advert. I think it's... Remember that one? I think it's like that, where the kid's going up the hill and it's got snow on it. It's the most beautiful picture you've ever seen. If ever there was a... a, You'd never get the car up and down there. You'd never walk up and down there, but it's just beautiful. If you get an opportunity, go past the newsagent, have a look at the front cover of Country Life. You'll buy it just for the picture on the front. It's gorgeous. It really is. Snow and the twinkling lights. Look at me being all romantic again. I can't help it. It's just just one of those things. You get a little bit older, you start appreciating things like that. And that does look like a nice place, but it's probably just as awful as the as the rest of them. There's also the story in the paper, a very strange one. A man who fled Britain after a very messy divorce 20 years ago, and he's pitched up in Siberia, uh, where he started a new life. Unfortunately, of course, he dumped the family here, and so it's not as romantic as you think, because he's now got uh, kids... 
in Siberia, he just decided to, you know, jack it all in. And he went there and he's now got uh, cows and sheep. He's got a horse-drawn plough. He's fallen in love with the place. He's in a little tiny village of 15 people, and that's where he's happiest. He hasn't been back here for ages to see his children. And so, it, in one part, it's romantic. In the other part, he's a ghastly person, because he just dumped the kids and didn't have anything to, um, to do with them anymore, which is a great shame. Great, great shame. Uh, there's a, an MOD chief here. This is the highest-paid civil servant in the MOD, who has charged the taxpayer 23 grand for luxury hotel stays in his first 10 months of the job. This is Bernard Gray, the man in charge of the department's equipment programme. He's paid £220,000 a year. That's far in excess of the money paid to the Prime Minister, because I think he gets £142,000 a year. And yet he racked up twenty-three grand for 106 overnight stays in London and Bristol at a time when his department is facing huge budget cuts. Use of official car and driver, 49000 Airfares, 16000 Taxi fares, 286 quid. That's like sort of four four journeys from London Heathrow to Twickenham, depending on whether you get the rogue cab driver or not. Uh, other stories in the papers today. You can't always get what you want. What 50 years rocking has taught Mick Jagger. Just very old, I suppose, now. I was never a fan of the Rolling Stones. I like the music. Don't get me wrong, I like the music. But I'd never want to pay to go and see them. Never interested me in the slightest. And yet, I just, I love the music, which is great. Lovely picture here of Carsington Water in the Peak District. All the trees covered with this frost in the morning, and it looks absolutely amazing. If you move to the country, cockerel crowing is part of life, so complaining about it is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, but they, you know, they, they come from out of town. I mean, of course, all the villagers are saying, as you say, if you live in the country, you have to expect that. It's like when we lived in little villages years and years ago, it was, you know, you just got used to sitting behind tractors. Even if you're on your bicycle, if the tractor was going along and it was pushing sheep in front of it, you just waited. You didn't think anything about it. We grew up with, we spent, spent most of our formative years in Wellingtons. Didn't do anything at all. Um, Brian, I went to buy some pork chops. I said to the butcher, make them lean. He said, which way? Thank you. Casey Jones was owned by Travellers Fair, who was owned by British Rail, hence why Casey Jones was only available in railway stations. Thank you, Roger Garner, driving from Kent to Hammersmith. He says, Merry Christmas. It's nice, actually. Thank you, incidentally, to all the people who sent Christmas cards in. It's very nice indeed. I'm, pu- I'm putting them all up on the windowsill upstairs. So, uh, so that's quite nice. So thank you very much indeed for those. We try and mention as many people as we can on the programme, just to say thank you. Uh, concerning pigeons, says Adrian, I agree about the town versions that populate London. Vermin. Country cousins, the wood pigeon and turtle doves, are quite acceptable. Must be the environment they live in. Yes, wood pigeons and turtle doves are so much better out in the countryside, but in London it's the feral pigeons. Filth, disgusting, carry diseases. You know, it makes me laugh. You see people stand there feeding them. Still in Trafalgar Square. I'd have them shot as well, I'm afraid. I'm like that. I, don't, I mean, I remember seeing pigeons, you know, and I do try and aim for them. If I'm driving through, I'll try to... And they always get away. You know, it's ridiculous. Uh, another one here. Sound check on a cockerel, says Anne. What next? Well, to be honest with you, I thought it sounded a bit far-fetched as well. The picture is Shaftesbury in Dorset, says Craig. It's beautiful. It's so pretty. This is the picture on the front of country. It's so, so pretty. I mean, it's just... It is just so. Read the birds I called winged rats, says Brian. I saw a programme about disgusting illegal hot dog sellers and the birds walking all over the bread buns. Yes. Don't ever buy hot dogs in London. The people selling them are filth. I mean, they really are. These, these, these bits of food, it's disgusting. The only thing you're tempted by is the smell of onions. The rest of it, disgusting. Low-rent people, disgusting burgers, and they let pigeons walk about all over it. 
So, as you say, winged rats, they carry diseases. Don't go anywhere near them. Just shoot them. Quarter past six. LB 620. Uh, Terence says, to generalise about those with double-barrelled names or anything else is pure ignorance. Perhaps you're the real chav. He's one of these people with an illness because he writes things in capital letters every so often. You go through his text and he writes capital letters. You can get medical help for that. There's tablets available, Terence. Don't worry. Don't worry. You can get it. Uh, everybody else telling me the picture is of Shaftesbury in Dorset. Which sounds, uh, which sounds wonderful. Uh, Paul and Popley, yes, I was talking about that one. A lot of people talk about rats, yes, winged, winged rats. They're, they're known as pigeons, feral, around London. You can always tell when they're going to die, have you noticed? How do you tell when a pigeon's going to die? They sit in doorways and they won't move, because they know that they're at the end of their life. I was going over and say a small prayer over them, you know, goodbye, goodbye. You know, like that, which is good. I love it when people say, oh, you've got to look after them in the winter. They're out of fast food places and they're out of filth that's on the streets of London, you know, and they do eat anything, and I mean anything. That's why they're winged rats, I'm afraid. 84850, uk. Squeeze some more in here. Uh, on the subject of... Um, this is uh, Paul, who said... Uh, had coffee with Keith last night. Speaks very highly of you and asked to be remembered to you if ever I contacted the show. Is that Keith Barron? Love Keith Barron. Do you know, I was only watching Duty Free the other day. I was only watching Duty Free the other day. Strangely, I have the box set. And I said to somebody, the other day, somebody said, what have you got here? I said, I bought this box set of... I can't remember what it is now. What did Alan Davis do? He did... Um, oh, I can't remember now. It'll come to me in a moment. And, and somebody said, you've not seriously bought that? And I said, yes, I have. And they went, are you mad? I went, no, I'm a big fan, big fan. Uh, Martin says, sitting in the Central, heard you giving Happy Valley a plug. I've been at lunch, Harvey Nick's very nice, and missed when you were talking about Hong Kong. The property price is crazy here, worse than London. Last year I sold an average 1,000 square foot apartment opposite the hospital in Happy Valley for 10 million Hong Kong dollars. Not exactly the best feng shui, it has to be said, but happy to hit the collect button. Happy Valley, very popular. Even have a couple of bars. Wednesday night over the track is still a good laugh. A few beer tents and the usual glamour rail girls. Popular with the local school kids who come for the underage drinking and a night under the stars. No pigeons, but plenty of cockroaches. Absolutely. I remember it very, very well. Indeed, very well. It's not just Christmas pudding, Steve. Turkey has certain uh, properties that prevent dogs from digesting. It overloads the organs. Our poor little dog died a few years ago after being fed Christmas dinner. I cannot impress on people, you know, enough not to give your dog Christmas pudding or anything like that, or turkey or anything. They've got, you know, there are things in it which aren't good for them. So I can only reinforce it, otherwise you'll have big vet bills. Big vet bills. Um, another one here that says, uh, whilst at Selfridges, we came across two Irish ladies giving everybody a taster of their Irish Christmas pudding and their own homemade brandy butter. Absolutely fantastic. By the way, my other half gets me up early to listen to you. Please do not stop slagging off your favourite celebrity, the lovely... Katie Price. Sadly not lovely anymore. Faded and old and haggard. But she's back in court again. She's suing somebody. It's, a, it's an old case that cropped up a short while ago. So uh, there's always something. I suppose she sits there and just sort of, she's got to do something. And sometimes she hasn't got the faintest idea what she's doing. But uh, another time she provides endless amusement for us, which is what we like. We took uh, photos of the school nativity and issued discs to all those who wanted them, but had a ban on others taking pictures. We know one family were in hiding from a violent father. We ensured he wasn't in any photos. Had parents taken a photo and photo and posted it on a social media site, there was a slight risk the child's father, family or friends could have seen it, putting the child at risk. Yes, I suppose to it, but we're so, have you noticed, we're so mamby-pamby in this country. Can't do this, can't do that. There's a danger of somebody seeing that. It's just pathetic. It's pathetic now. You know, you can't, can't do anything. 
And it's just a case of, you know, we need to sort of grow up a little bit, I'm afraid. Grow up and smell the coffee. Uh, listening to Everyday Sitting in Our Apartment on Bluepool Road in Happy Valley. Yes, a lot of it is high-rise now, but it still has village atmosphere. Oh, it was even more village when we were there. Even more village. Noreen says, I think Happy Valley sounds nice. We were in Hong Kong in 95. Tea at the Peninsula. Very posh. She says, finally, you've got rid of your cough. Yes, I, I get it a little bit in the morning, but nothing, nothing, too, nothing too mad. Uh, thank you, Martin, who sent me a link to something else, which I shall come round to a little bit later on. British Gas and Sprouts. Remote control heating. Alan from Clayhall says it's fitted with a wireless thermostat and the little box that plugs into a modem via one of the four ports. If there's a room, you need a four, five, eight port switch. Remote heating control lets you control your central heating virtually anywhere and any time from your smartphone. Wow, it's about 149 quid. It's on britishgas.co.uk forward slash smarter dash living slash control. Right. <laughs> Sounds very complicated, doesn't it, to me? I don't think I want it. I think I prefer... I like being in control. I like sort of going there and just sort of flicking a switch and it comes on. I, I still go around touching radiators now just to make sure nothing needs bleeding at this time of year. Thank you uh, from Marion, taking pictures in her very frosty garden yesterday. It was... It, does no gar- don't gardens look pretty in this frost? And also, the spider's webs look particularly good. So thank you very much indeed. I'm very grateful for those. It's always nice. And uh, on public transport, says Paul, I always flash my wallet at the machine with my Oyster card. These contactless cards also work when they're inside the wallet. I do too. According to the TFL website, if you've got both an Oyster card and a contactless payment card inside the wallet, the machine will reject it. The problem is that sometimes, for no apparent reason, the machine won't accept my Oyster card unless I remove it from the wallet. How am I going to know if I've paid? I love the people, Paul. I mean, it is a bit inconvenient. I love the people who walk through at Twickenham sometimes in the morning and they don't swipe their card coming out again. And I think you've got to swipe your card because it'll charge you the maximum. It's as simple as that. Uh, and this is last year's Christmas card. This is from... Uh, that's I remember that one, actually. It's very good, actually. The Santa Man card for Steve Allen. Whoa, gang, gangman style. Very good, actually. Although there is that terrible story in the paper. There's uh, no, no limits to this 39-year-old LBC presenter. It was a good card, that. I like that card a lot. Even Clive likes that one, which is... He's very difficult to please today. He suddenly, realizes he's walked out in a suit and has got a mark on it. There's nothing worse, is that If your suit's... Everybody's going to draw attention to it now. You're just going to look and go, I'm sorry, you're wearing a suit that's got a mark on it. Have you licked it off? It's OK. You have to do that, don't you? It works. works sometimes. Uh, right, just about it for this morning. We will have for you a little bit later on, in fact, in about half an hour, a free podcast for you. There will be a free podcast up on... And then a little bit later on, there'll be the blog, and then there'll be the rest of the programme's uh, podcast as well. If you go to the LBC website, you can learn all about podcasting. It's lbc.co, oops, dot uk. Quickly, the front pages of the papers, the mirror today, the lovebirds. It's uh, Harry Styles again. Gee, I'm so bored with Harry Styles. Can they come up with something more original on the front pages of the papers than Harry Styles and his girlfriend? He's a boy and he's going out with a girl. OK, end of story. Do me a favour. Savile, 31 rape victims. Jimmy Savile allegedly raped 31 women. In fact, I don't even think you need to say allegedly now. He's dead. Can't libel him, can you? And uh, they say it makes him Britain's worst sex offender. I think if there is such a thing as an afterlife, he's sitting on a cloud going, oh, my God. Uh, the Daily Mail. Can you teach a baby to read? There's a mother who claims she's taught her baby to read at a very, very early age. Fury at the Facebook online casinos, because they've, they've created lots of problems, they say, on Facebook with people who are getting addicted to gambling. Uh, also, the Daily Express, again, it's uh, this, this uh, weight loss drug. 
which could be a little bit dangerous for people. It's the it's the the available version of Zenical, and I think this is called Ali. It's on sale everywhere, so just be a little bit careful. And the Sutton today has got uh, the gangman-style dance, which has killed a father at the Christmas party. Not such a good story to finish the programme on. I'm back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. Have a, a lovely day. Wrap up warm. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Don't forget, thank you for all the cards. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7. Next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder.